Heart at sacredheartradio.com. Monday, the 11th of September. Let's begin together in prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, you shield us from harm. Teach us to protect goodness in ourselves and in others. You guard us against stumbling and help us against falling. Strengthen our reliance on you in every temptation. You are the shelter of all who are in need. Make us a shelter to all who call upon our help. O God of glory, you are our shelter against the burning heat of the day and the storms of life. Help us when we stumble, catch us when we fall, and guide our steps firmly in faith toward the promise of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. It is a better way to start a Monday morning, the Sunrise Morning Show, here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. It is September 11th, which is not just a date on the calendar, but an anniversary of those attacks that occurred in Washington, um, the plane that crashed in Pennsylvania, the attacks, of course, on the World Trade Centers as well. So we're remembering all those things today. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls will also check in uh, with Kevin Schmiesing, get a look at this week in Catholic history. Uh, we'll talk to Father Philip LeRae, who is our AI correspondent, as it were, joining us from Rome. Father John Gavin will discuss the catechism and what it has to say about Christ as the head of the church. And then Father Patrick Briscoe is going to talk seminary formation with us. Of course, he is publisher for Our Sunday Visitor. So stay with us if you can. Right now, it is two minutes past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Pope Francis has offered his prayers as rescue efforts are ongoing in Morocco, days after a magnitude 6.8 earthquake rocked the North African country. More than 21 people are con- 2,100 people are confirmed dead, and the death toll is expected to continue to rise. Thousands were injured as the quake was the strongest to hit the nation in more than a century. Morocco's King Mohammed VI ordered mosques nationwide to hold funeral prayers Sunday. Offers of assistance have been pouring in from around the world, including from the U.S. During his Angelus address, Pope Francis said he was close to the dear Moroccan people. He said, I thank the rescue workers and those who are seeking to alleviate people's suffering, saying may the concrete aid of everyone sustain the people in this tragic moment, end quote. The Holy Father also during his Angelus address sent his prayers to those suffering from a cyclone that hit Brazil last week, leaving thousands homeless. Meanwhile, Hurricane Lee is growing larger. Mark Mayfield reports. The National Hurricane Center says the Category 3 storm has maximum sustained winds of roughly 120 miles per hour as it moves northwest. Hazardous beach conditions are expected to spread throughout the western Atlantic during the week. The system could bring life-threatening surf and rip current conditions along much of the east coast. There were no coastal watches or warnings in effect as of late Sunday night. I'm Mark Mayfield. Today is the 22nd anniversary of the 9-11 terror attacks. Families who lost loved ones that day will be gathering at the World Trade Center Memorial in Manhattan 
during a ceremony names of the nearly 23 or the the nearly 3,000 victims will be read aloud along with the tolling of bells and moments of silence. President Biden, for his part, will be marking the somber occasion in Alaska on his return home from the G20 summit in India and a visit to Vietnam yesterday. The president will meet with first responders and military members at a base in Anchorage. For the first time ever, an entire family was beatified together this weekend. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Lubov reports. The Ulma family, whose beatification took place Sunday, has become a symbol of Poles who rescued Jews during World War II, according to Archbishop Stanislaw Gadecki. In an interview with Vatican Radio, the president of the Polish Bishops' Conference shared his thoughts on how the beatification strengthens Catholic-Jewish relations. Archbishop Gadecki explained that the Ulma family was executed by Nazi Germans on the 24th of March, 1944, for harboring Jews. Two parents and seven children were murdered, he said. This tragic event is now unprecedented in the history of the church since it is the first time an entire family is being beatified together. Discussing the significance of the Elma's beatification, Archbishop Gadecki highlighted the theme of human solidarity, emphasizing the willingness to help others even when it involves risking our own lives. The president of the Polish bishops stressed that the Almas were aware of the risks that they were taking by hiding Jews. Jews. This family, he said, must have realized that even though they lived at some distance from the village, they put themselves in great danger from the Germans by sheltering several people in the attic of their home. The archbishop said that the Alma children did not fully understand the situation and may have accidentally told the wrong people. The need to make larger food purchases at the store may have also drawn the interest of outsiders. He pointed out that other families also assisted, resulting in 21 survivors in the village, highlighting the solidarity of the community. Bishop Gadecki noted that the Alma's actions were rooted in their Christian love. Their actions also confirm, he said, their respect for every life from conception to natural death. They knew that every life must be protected and they made at ultimate sacrifice for it. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. Novak Djokovic is adding to his historic Grand Slam trophy case. Djokovic took down third-seeded Daniil Medvedev in straight sets yesterday at the 2023 U.S. Open final. The 36-year-old Djokovic has now, have, has now won 24 Grand Slam titles, four of which have come at the U.S. Open. And there were several upsets and huge victories highlighted in the first Sunday of the NFL season. The action kicked off in the afternoon when the Browns suffocated the Bengals 24-3 in Cleveland. The Buccaneers earned an impressive 20-17 road win over the Vikings. Meanwhile, a pair of road blowouts took place when the 49ers walked into Pittsburgh and gutted the Steelers 30-7 when the Packers rolled into Chicago and beat their NFC North rival Bears 38-20. The day was capped off with the biggest blowout of the season so far. <laughs> the Cowboys embarrassed the New York Giants 40 to nothing in Sunday night football in East Rutherford. Dallas's Big D combined for seven sacks, two interceptions, and a pair of touchdowns. Wow. Quite a weekend in Did the NFL. Did you watch any of that? Um, which game of those do you think I watched? Um, Bengals and Browns, I suppose. Yes. Yes. I had, uh, we had a cross-country meet. Oh, um, I didn't know Zeke was running. Schools cross country cool so uh so so i missed that i'm out of market anyway for for my own favorite team uh but it was uh it was hard to watch 
I'm not going to lie. It was, it was hard to follow on the little GameCast app, so I can only imagine how hard it was to watch. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I did. Uh, I did watch some GameCast of Dolphins Chargers, which was a rough week for uh, for Chargers fans. Mm-hmm. Um, with uh, Tua and the gang and Tyreek Hill coming back and putting them away at the last minute. You know, I feel like week one. It feels like preseason, Anna Mitchell. It oh, really yeah. does. Well, definitely for us Bengals fans, first time we saw Joe Burrow. So well, well, also it's not the first, but there's this like none of the starters play in the preseason. Mm-hmm. It's not like spring training where sometimes you have split squads, you know, right. so that everybody can play and you can get a look at everybody. In the NFL, like you don't even get a look at anybody. No, it's like nobody's even started playing. I don't know. Everybody's, NFL's you weird. know, they're kicking the rust off. You know, they're like, oh, we've been just doing fantasy drafts all season. <laughs> like nobody knows. Nobody knows anything about anything. NFL's weird. Yeah. I enjoy it, but it's weird. I get it. And baseball's still happening. Yeah. Just to put that out there. It is nine minutes past the hour. Thank you for joining us on this Monday, September the 11th. Let's take a look at this week in Catholic history, and here to do that with us is Kevin Schmeezing. You can find his book, A Catholic Pilgrimage Through American History, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Kevin, good morning. Good morning, Matt. So we have a couple of pretty intense pieces of history to look at today. Let's start in Louisiana. Yeah, that's right. This is an interesting group of potential saints, I guess you'd call them, five priests who died over the course of three weeks, all of them while ministering to victims of a yellow fever epidemic. So they're advancing through the sainthood process together. They're collectively known as the Shreveport Martyrs, and the first of them died this week back in 1873. Matt, you and I have talked many times about the colony of Louisiana, which being French, then Spanish, then French again, was a center of Catholicism in North America. That entire region became part of the United States in 1803. New Orleans was the hub of activity, Catholic and otherwise, but northern Louisiana also developed in the antebellum period, and in 1853, the Diocese of Natchitoches, which is today the Diocese of Shreveport and Alexandria, was established. The first bishop there was French, so he canvassed his native country for priests to serve the new diocese, and that's when these five came over. Father Jean-Pierre became the founding pastor of Holy Trinity Parish in Shreveport. He was joined there in early 1873 by Father Isidore Camaret, who had been working elsewhere in the diocese since his ordination a few years earlier. Father Jean-Marie Billy was the chaplain at the Convent of the Daughters of the Cross, a few miles outside Shreveport. Father Louis Gergot was the founding pastor of St. Matthew Parish in Monroe. He had a special concern for enslaved and free blacks, and he's been compared to St. Peter Claver. Father Francois Levezouet established the first church in Manny, Louisiana, which is today the parish of St. John the Baptist. So those are the five. Yellow fever was a fearsome disease in the 19th century. It was a constant threat in South Louisiana. And there was a devastating outbreak in New Orleans in 1853. In late August 1873, it struck further north in Shreveport. It would end up taking the lives of about one in four residents over the next three months. All five priests threw themselves into service, bringing comfort and the sacraments to those in quarantine. Father Camaray, the associate at the Shreveport Parish, was the first to come. He died this week, September 15th in 1873. His pastor, Father Pierre, died the following day. They had already sent word to nearby priests begging for help. The others came quickly. When Father Gougou mounted his horse to race toward Shreveport, he told his vicar, write to the bishop and tell him I go to my death. It is my duty, and I go. 
Father Beely, the convent chaplain, died September 26th, Father Gougou, October 1st, and Father Lavoisier, one week later. Their cause for sainthood was introduced in 2020 by the Diocese of Shreveport, so they are servants of God, the martyrs of Shreveport, remembering them from this week 150 years ago. Well, I would like to say that after a story that intense, we get a bit of a break on the next one, but we absolutely do not. And uh, this one involves someone with whom some of our listeners may be familiar. Yeah, maybe so. And and you're right, Matt. We're continuing the theme, heroic priests on the path to canonization. Uh, this one from the other side of the globe. <clears throat> I was prompted to do this by a recent news story about the Vatican reestablishing diplomatic relations with Vietnam. Probably Vietnam's most famous Catholic of the last 50 years would be Cardinal Nguyen Van Thuan, and he died this week in 2002. Vietnam was a French colony, so it had been partially evangelized prior to the strife that erupted in the second half of the 20th century, which resulted in communist revolution, the split between North and South, the controversial involvement of the United States, and ultimately the communist takeover and reunification of the country in the 1970s. Nguyen Van Thuan had been born in 1928. He entered the seminary and was ordained a priest in 1953. He studied in Rome for a while and then was appointed rector of the seminary in Hue in central Vietnam. He was named Bishop of Nha Trang in 1967 and then coadjutor bishop of Saigon, the capital city, in 1975. Just a few days later, the North Vietnamese army took the city. Van Thuan, as a Catholic and also a relative of the president of South Vietnam, was immediately arrested. He spent the next 13 years in prison, much of that time in solitary confinement. During his imprisonment, sympathetic guards helped him smuggle out scraps of paper on which were notes of encouragement to the people of Vietnam. They were later collected and published as a book, The Road of Hope. He was also able to make a tiny wooden cross, which he hung with a piece of electrical wire. This he later fashioned into a pectoral cross, which he wore for the rest of his life. In 1988, he was released from prison and three years later was permitted to go to Rome, but never to return to his native country. Pope John Paul II appointed him president of the Pontifical Council for Justice and Peace in 1994, made him a cardinal in 2001. He died a year later. It was this week, September 16, 2002. His cause was introduced in 2007, and in 2017, Pope Francis issued the decree of heroic virtue. So he is venerable, Nguyen Van Thuan. He died this week in 2002. Well... Cardinal Van Tuan and the Martyrs of Shreveport. Since you're in process, I don't feel bad about saying, pray for us. <laughs> it's a pretty, Amen. a couple of extraordinary stories there this week in Catholic history. Of course, Kevin Schmeezing, you're the author of A Catholic Pilgrimage Through American History. We've got it linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thank you as always. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, Matt. All right, let's check on weather for the nation. A cold front, which is going, going to be affecting from Michigan to northern Texas. This is a big cold front. Uh, it's going to pack plenty of soaking downpours and thunderstorms. A cluster or line or two of potentially strong thunderstorms could move across west Texas during the afternoon and evening. Another system will deliver downpours and thunderstorms to parts of the I-95 corridor from northeast Maryland to eastern Maine, especially during the afternoon and evening. Florida to the eastern Carolinas could contend with some sea breeze-driven downpours and thunderstorms. Showers and thunderstorms also percolating from central and northern Nevada into southern Utah and along and west of the Rocky Front Range. Eastern Dakotas to Minnesota Arrowhead will see rain today as well. Much of the west coast, however, and parts of the central plains and gulf coast into the Tennessee and Ohio valleys will have a sun-soaked Monday. 
So rain for most of you, sun for a few of you. Got headlines with Hannah Mitchell coming up next. It's a quarter past. The first annual Dominican Rosary Pilgrimage, sponsored by the Dominican Friars Foundation, will take place on Saturday, September 30th at the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C. This all-day event will feature conferences by Father Gregory Pine, resuscitation of the rosary, a fervorino by Father Lawrence Liu, and mass with Father James Brent as homilist. Join us for this day of prayer to Our Lady. For more information, visit rosarypilgrimage.org. That's rosarypilgrimage.org. Are you looking for peace, longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into a suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. And click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. The kids got new supplies for back to school, so what do the parents get? Well, we suggest treating yourself to some good coffee, and the Mystic Monks of Wyoming have a number of blends to choose from. And when you link to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sonrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on whatever you buy. You can also treat yourself to a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and a water bottle for your kid in our online store. Check out our store and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sunrisemorningshow.com. EWTN is available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. If your cable or satellite provider doesn't carry EWTN's full programming lineup, give them a call and let them know you would like to receive EWTN 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. For more information, go to EWTN.com and click on Television. 17 minutes past the hour, here's Anna with headlines. Pope Francis has offered his prayers as rescue efforts are ongoing in Morocco days after a devastating earthquake rocked the country. Today is the 22nd anniversary of the 9-11 terror attacks and families who lost loved ones that day are gathering again at the World Trade Center Memorial in Manhattan. And for the first time ever, an entire family was beatified together this weekend. Pretty cool. That's yes. uh, that's hashtag squad goals. I know, right? Say, you know, the we're all trying to do our best, you know, just to get kids dressed and fed. Oh, I know. But uh, a higher goal would be: what if you could get your whole family to be beatified in a single ceremony over oh my a weekend? Gosh, for real. Point? The question is. Can they then, so it was uh, the Ulma family, so uh, the mom and dad, and then there's seven children. Will it be possible that they all get canonized together as a family? Or could they be canonized separately if one decides, you know, I'm going to go after this or that miracle, and then they... Stands out above the pack. Or is it like, do you pray to the entire family I imagine people are going to be asking for the help of the entire family, unless some some of these individual stories emerge. Because you know how it can be with, well, mm-hmm. so I mean, a perfect example. Of this is the Ugandan martyrs. Yeah, it's like they have this sort of mega story of uh, extraordinary heroism in the face of of persecution and uh, pressure to compromise morally. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, for some people, they are Charles Lawanga and companions, the Ugandan martyrs. 
Um, there are similar things that go on with like the Korean martyrs and the Vietnamese martyrs and all these martyrs of the Spanish Civil War. Right, but, but then, then when you're digging, like, yeah, when you're like Colleen Swaim, you find Saint Cazito from right, the or, Ugandan martyrs. I mean, and you start to be like, whoa, this individual person's got an extraordinary story. Or there's this one little thing that's emerged mm-hmm. from what happened uh, when they were being martyred, or one little phrase sometimes that this person said. Yeah, and, uh, and people latch onto that life phrase. Life-changing. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I don't know, Annie Mitchell. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in the future. I mean, I think a lot of devotion has already been um, gleaned from this Alma family. I mean, super cool, incredible story. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, Pray Louis and Sully Martin, you yeah. know, went in together. Absolutely. But Isidore the farmer and his wife separate their timing was separate yeah absolutely interesting well all you holy men and women pray for us us. it's 21 past every hour of every day there's over 50 minutes of solid catholic teaching on sacred heart radio whether we're discussing the catholic perspective on current issues reflecting on the heroic life of a saint or spending an hour in prayer every hour of every day Sacred Heart Radio is broadcasting the good news of our salvation through Jesus Christ because of the generosity of listeners like you. Thank you. To join in this mission, please visit sacredheartradio.com and click on Donate. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. We strive to provide the highest quality diamond and CBN products manufactured by privately owned companies, enabling us to provide prompt and personal service and you to avoid the unnecessary cost and frustrations of dealing with bureaucracies. Find us online at theabrasiveone.com. That's the number one, theabrasiveone.com, theabrasiveone.com. You rely on your car, so rely on the experts at Fort Mitchell Garage, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. They can do it all from brakes, tires, and heating and cooling to towing and collision repair and more. Fort Mitchell Garage on Dixie Highway and Park Hills. On the web at fortmitchellgarage.com. Working to see the culture of life prevail in the Miami Valley, Dayton Right to Life is here to protect God's gift of life through law, education, and community action, from fertilization to natural death. Find Dayton Right to Life online at daytonlife.org. That's daytonlife.org. Offering Catholic retreats based on Ignatian spirituality, the Jesuit Spiritual Center invites you to a weekend of prayer and renewal led by various retreat masters, including Father Michael Graham. Join others for a weekend of silence as you experience the great treasures of the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Register now at JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. That's JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. The Sunrise Morning Show continues, and with all the developments in generative AI, it's always great to talk to Father Philip LeRae, who is with Humanity 2.0 and tries to think about these things from a Catholic perspective as they rapidly develop. Father, good morning. Good morning, Matt. Great to be on the show again. Yeah, great to have you. Uh, Now, there is going to be, or uh, I, I guess it's, I can't tell if it's happened or will happen at this point. That's my perspective on most artificial intelligence things. I can't tell if they're about to happen or if they've already happened. <laughs> but there's a summit uh, where the United States government's trying to figure out how to regulate some of this stuff and inviting leaders in the field to comment on it. I wonder if you could tell us about the summit. 
So it's going to take place on Wednesday and behind closed doors. It's being organized by Senator Schumer, who has vowed to launch a series of forums about artificial intelligence. And he's invited the big the big tech companies. They're all all the big shots are going to be there. It's really what's really going to be interesting is that he managed to get Elon Musk and Sam Altman together in one room. Uh, as you know, that they, they've had their differences along the way. They were both co-founders of OpenAI, and then Elon left in 2018, and uh, Sam took it over as CEO. Uh, and here, you know, what's interesting, Matt, is you have two groups of people. So on the one hand, you have tech people, and uh, you have, you know, engineers, but also CEOs. The CEO of Microsoft will be there, the CEO of um uh, Google will be there, et cetera, et cetera, who don't really understand how to make laws. And then you have the other group of senators who don't really understand what artificial intelligence is about. So I think, although in, in the, in the uh, press, the summit has been kind of looked upon negatively as if to say, oh, this is a big show, they're not going to do anything. But I think what they're trying to do is dialogue so that they can come up with a program which suits both groups, and that is not easy. I would think not. Uh, you know, and you know, it's it's such an interesting thing to ponder, uh, especially if you've read uh, the church's documents on social communications and the World Communications Day messages and the the guiding principles that the church lays out for how we think about these things. Uh, right? Uh, they're person centered. Uh, they must have. Uh, human dignity at the center of the conversation. They must have all this other stuff. And, you know, those questions may swirl about in these discussions, but, you know, there's going to be a lot of like, how do we protect, uh, you know, financial assets and copyrights and all kinds of that stuff is going to be in this conversation. On the other side, it's going to be much more sort of a practical conversation. And it just, it's, as you lay this out, um, it's just a reminder how important it is for us as Catholics who kind of have this Christian understanding of the human person to be involved in these conversations when we can. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I do think they're going to touch on those kinds of issues also. Uh, there's a, a group uh, that is pushing civil rights issues in terms of AI, for example, the right of the consumer, uh, the right to transparency, the right to protect your data, the right to privacy, etc. And that is kind of what the what Pope Francis means when he says person centered technology. So I wouldn't be surprised if there is a, certainly it won't it won't be uh, explicitly Catholic, right? They're, they're not going to quote the papal encyclicals or Pope Francis's message for World Day of Peace in January. But I think the content is going to be very similar. Yes, it'll be very fascinating to see. Although, you know, it would be great if somebody just uh, maybe in one of the post sessions had like, a, I don't know, like a coffee hour where somebody, you know, just did a public reading of Intermerifica from the Second Vatican Council on Social Communications. It would be kind of a nice sort of like happy hour, won't you think? I mean, that would be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I'm sure somebody in Washington is uh, lurking in the, in, in the wings. So uh, that many bishops, like Bishop Barron, for example, is an expert in this field. There are others 
that, that we know also that, that speak out on, on issues concerning AI. And this is going to be a, a, a very special moment, Wednesday. All, I think it's Wednesday and Thursday, so it's happening this week. And uh, yeah, it would have been great to be a part of the dialogue, but I, I'm not a billionaire nor a senator, so I'm not going to be there. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, those are two graces that God has given you of being neither one of those things. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but with this, I mean, we are people who are not going to be in that room. I'm not going to be in that room. You're not going to be in that room. And unless there's something I don't know, most of our listeners are probably not going to be in that room. But we want no, it, we want to pray, us, yeah. right? So how should we be praying for meetings like this where we feel kind of helpless and like we don't get a chance to get in the mix of them? Pray for enlightenment. That's what I'm going to do. Pray that, well, first of all, the, the fact that this is even happening, I think, is a great grace. But second of all, the you know we want the Holy Spirit to guide what what they come up with because th this is the these meetings are going to shape the future legislation. So let's let's hope the Holy Spirit guides them in the right direction. Well, even Saint Paul in the New Testament tells us that's how we should be praying for all of our leaders from the beginning. Right, that the Holy Spirit exactly. will will guide them and uh, help them to use their authority prudentially and morally. So, thank you so much, Father Philip Leray, and uh, we'll try and pay attention. And whenever anything comes out of this, if we're confused by it, we'll tap your wisdom again. Okay, God bless you, Matt. All right, and again, you can find Father Philip Leray and all of our guests linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Again, that's s o n rise morningshow.com. Uh, check out the projects that our guests are involved in. And also, while you're there, enter your email address and hit subscribe, and you'll get show notes delivered to your inbox every day, including prayers uh, that we pray at the top of the hour. So sunrisemorningshow.com, head on over there and click subscribe. It is half past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Pope Francis has offered his prayers as rescue efforts continue in Morocco days after a magnitude 6.8 earthquake rocked the North African country. During his Angelus address, Pope Francis said he was close to the dear Moroccan people and said, I thank the rescue workers and those who are seeking to alleviate people's suffering, saying, may the concrete aid of everyone sustain the people in this tragic moment. He also sent his prayers to those suffering from a cyclone that hit Brazil last week, leaving thousands homeless. Meanwhile, the rescue efforts are ongoing in Morocco. Mark Mayfield has the story. More than 2,100 people are confirmed dead and the toll is expected to rise. Thousands were injured as the quake was the strongest to hit the nation in more than a century. Morocco's King Mohammed VI ordered mosques nationwide to hold funeral prayers on Sunday. Offers of assistance have been pouring in from around the world, including the U.S. Officials at the American Embassy in the Moroccan capital say that they're not aware of any American fatalities. I'm Mark Mayfield. Families who lost loved ones in the 9-11 terror attacks will be gathering at the World Trade Center Memorial in Manhattan for the 22nd anniversary of the attacks today. During a ceremony, the names of the nearly 3,000 victims will be read aloud. There will be moments of silence, bell tolls, and music as part of the ceremony. For the first time this year, there will be a tribute at the Memorial Glade after the ceremony to recognize people who have died from and are still experiencing illnesses due to the aftermath of the attacks. 
For the first time ever, an entire family was beatified together this past weekend. The Catholic News Agency reports the beatification ceremony for Josef and Victoria Olma and their seven children took place yesterday in Poland. The Olma family, including a newborn baby, were murdered by the Nazis for hiding Jews in their home. Pope Francis recognized them all as martyrs in December, paving the way for them to be beatified yesterday. During his Angelus address yesterday, Pope Francis reflected on the Sunday Gospel and the importance of fraternal correction. From Vatican Radio, Devin Watkins has more. Fraternal correction, said Pope Francis, is one of the highest expressions of love and also one of the most demanding. When a brother in faith wrongs you, then you, without rancor, should help him by correcting him, he said. However, acknowledged the Holy Father, the first step we most often take is that of spreading gossip about a person instead of confronting them directly and privately. Such an attitude does not please God, he said, since gossip is a plague on the life of people and communities. Gossip, added the Pope, leads us to division, suffering, and scandal, and never helps improve or grow, but rather plunges us toward perdition and ruin. Pope Francis noted that Jesus offers us a better path when we have been injured by someone. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone, as Jesus said. The Pope urged Christians to speak to one another face to face in order to help the other person understand their fault. Do it for their own good, he said, overcoming shame and finding true courage, which is not to slander, but to tell them to their face with meekness and gentleness. If, after a private and frank conversation, the person does not mend their ways, we may look for help from others. And even if, after these first two steps have been pursued and no change has taken place, then we may turn to the community, not to pillory or publicly shame the person, but to unite our efforts to help them change. In conclusion, Pope Francis invited us to consider our attitude toward those who wrong us. And he asked the Blessed Virgin Mary to help each of us seek the path of goodness in our relationship with others. Hurricane Lee is growing larger. The National Hurricane Center says the Category 3 storm has maximum sustained winds of roughly 120 miles per hour as it moves northwest. Hazardous beach, beach conditions are expected to spread through the western Atlantic during the week. The system could bring life-threatening surf and rip current conditions along much of the east coast. There were no coastal watches or warnings in effect as of late last night. That's the news. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on EWTN Radio. It's 35 minutes past the hour. Have you used our QR code to download the Sacred Heart Radio app? The app lets you hear Sacred Heart Radio from anywhere and gives you access to the Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith podcast. To get the app, visit sacredheartradio.com and scan the QR code. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. During the hottest of weather, Schneller Knockelman will keep you cool with air conditioning repair, installation, and maintenance. Schneller Knockelman. Find us at skpha.com, skpha.com. Hi, I'm Jim Akers, board member with the Cincinnati Chapter of Legatus, Catholic business leaders and their spouses meeting the challenge of balancing faith, family, and business. We meet once a month for mass and dinner, along with a local or national speaker and a wonderful venue throughout the city. 
Many of our speakers you have heard right here on Sacred Heart Radio. Please think about joining our group of Catholic leaders and become an ambassador for Christ in your business or profession. Contact us at Cincinnati at Legatus.org. That's Cincinnati at Legatus.org. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this Monday, September the 11th. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at skpha.com. Looks like it's going to be fairly nice today. Right now, temperatures in the upper 50s, lower 60s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, it'll be mostly sunny today and warmer with a high of 84 degrees. Mostly cloudy tonight with an overnight low of 62. Some off and on rain expected tomorrow and cooler temperatures, a high of 75 degrees. For the Miami Valley Dayton area, some morning fog, then sun today and a high of 81 degrees. Mostly cloudy with a chance of a rain shower in the overnight hours with a low of 63. Mostly cloudy with a few rain showers likely tomorrow and a high of 72 degrees. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. It's 37 minutes past the hour, and you're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Happy to have you along with us on this September the 11th. Happy birthday to my baby sister, Jane. Father John Gavin joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He is author of Mysteries of the Lord's Prayer. Father, welcome back. Thank you. So we are going to be unpacking paragraph 795 in the Catechism, and uh, we are in a section on the Church, learning about the Church under the uh, profession of faith. And um, this has a number of quotes in this paragraph, Mm. um, two of which come from Church Fathers, but there are also quotes from Aquinas and Joan of Arc. So here is paragraph 795. Christ and his church, thus together, make up the whole Christ, Christus totus. The church is one with Christ. The saints are acutely aware of this unity. So hear the quote from St. Augustine. Let us rejoice then and give thanks that we have become not only Christians, but Christ himself. Do you understand and grasp, brethren, God's grace towards us? Marvel and rejoice, we have become Christ. For if he is the head, we are the members. He and we together are the whole man. The fullness of Christ then is the head and the members. But what does head and members mean? Christ and the church. And then from Pope St. Gregory the Great, he says, our redeemer has shown himself to be one person with the Holy Church, whom he has taken to himself. Then Aquinas, head and members form, as it were, one and the same mystical person. And then a reply of St. Joan of Arc to her judges sums up the faith of the holy doctors and the good sense of the believer. She says, about Christ and the church, I simply know they're just one thing, and we shouldn't complicate the matter. (laughs) I just had to read that one from Joan of Arc. I love it. But we are going to be talking about uh, Augustine and and Pope St. Gregory the Great in our conversation. This is an incredible quote from St. Augustine. Where is it from? 
So this quote comes from one of Augustine's sermons on the Gospel of John, and it's actually treating uh, in the sermon, uh, this particular one, number 21, uh, John 5, verse 20, where we hear, uh, For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing, and greater works than these will he show him that you may marvel. Mm. And the connection that Augustine makes there with the image of the Church as the body of Christ is that uh, that union is so intimate with our Lord that all that the Son receives from the Father he is, in fact, sharing with all the members, just as the head shares the gift of sight with the body, with all members of the body. Augustine builds that image. Uh, so Christ shares all that he receives from the Father, all the works of the Father, with us in that intimate union. So it's a wonderful way of commenting on that verse from John. Yeah, it is. We have become Christ. That is, yes, the, that, it, they, it also quotes there, you read the, uh, the Latin, uh, Christus totus. That is something that all Christ, all is Christ. And that's an, uh, those are two words that Augustine uses often. It's such a wonderful image because, of course, uh, we, we received that from Paul. And by the way, uh, not planned, but uh, today's first reading at, uh, for Mass is uh, Paul's uh, letter to the Colossians, and it's where Paul talks about uh, the, the building up uh, the church to the afflictions, his own afflictions, and the church is the body of Christ. So we got a nice little comment. I might throw it into my homily today. Things we're talking about. <laughs> you know, but, Father, uh, I'm so it, glad that our segments help you in your ministry. <laughs> I, I am very grateful. Yeah, I have a, I have a 1205 Mass here on campus today, so I'm going to probably pull some of this in. Love it. Love it. This is such a wonderful image because it's the unity, but also the diversity of the members is what uh, Paul's talking about and uh, the way we participate in the life of Christ. And Pope St. Gregory puts it rather tersely, but um, but gives us the exact same idea. Our Redeemer has shown himself to be one person with the Holy Church whom he has taken to himself. Where does that quote come from? <laughs> So that quote comes from a series of uh, reflections on the book of Job, Moralia in Job, that uh, Pope St. Gregory wrote. And uh, the connection that he makes here to the body of Christ is he's, it's actually from the preface, and he's talking about Job uh, and the sufferings of Job as being a type of Christ, uh, the way in which Job suffers, uh, the patient's uh, all pointing to, of course, our Lord's passion and the giving of his life for us on the cross. And Job can be a type of Christ, according to uh, Pope Gregory, because he is united to the body, right? Uh, and through the grace, you know, union with the body, uh, he is also in his life, when he's living out his life, he is able to point to the person of Christ. And this is something that Gregory emphasizes for us. As members of the body, uh, we are also, in the way we live out our Christian vocation, our, our bap uh, baptismal grace, are always pointing to the head of the body, uh, that is, to, the, to, to Christ. Uh, so it's a, it's a wonderful connection that uh, Pope St. Gregory makes there for us. 
You keep mentioning suffering, Father. Can you talk Mm -hmm. a little bit more about that? Sure. So the idea here, of course, is uh, our intimate union through our baptism with our Lord, that is uh, the body of Christ and the Church, means that we are also in following Him to experience what He uh, himself experienced, right, and what, the way he shows us. And that is going to include, as we know, the passion and the cross, right, uh, so that individually but together as a church, uh, we should not expect that we're going to avoid the passion of the cross in this union with him. But rather, uh, that is something gifted, because, of course, it is with him in that union uh, that in sharing in the Passion and the Cross, we also come to share in the Resurrection, right? Uh, so, again, it comes back to that union, but it's always how we come to participate in the life of Christ himself. And as you were mentioning, too, that doesn't take away from from the diversity of the Church. Um, we, mm-hmm. we are many parts in one body, just to go hearken back to St. Paul. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and that's the that's the beauty of the image, right? Uh, Augustine, I, I mentioned earlier, uses that idea of sight that the sight is the, in, in the head, but that sight is shared throughout all the individual members, so that each member may fulfill its its mission, right, uh, from fingers to toes. Mm. And so it is in the life of the church. Every person is called uh, by Christ, uh, sent by Christ. And in that union, uh, all our gifts come together to form the Church, but always infused with that grace from the head, who is Christ. And finally, why is this in the section of the Creed on the Holy Spirit? So what we were looking at, when we were looking at the Holy Spirit earlier, we saw how the Church is, of course, formed in that union through uh, the gift of the Holy Spirit, and we see that at Pentecost and what takes place there, uh, individuals from uh, the apostles to Mary, right, uh, are in that gift of the Holy Spirit, brought, uh, fully united with the Lord, and then come to speak with his voice. We've been talking to Father John Gavin, and you can find his book, Mysteries of the Lord's Prayer, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Father, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. You bet. Of course, you can find all of our guests linked at sonrisemorningshow.com. Be sure to click the subscribe button so that you can get all of that information in your inbox every morning as we go on the air. And perhaps uh, also, while you're there, download the Sunrise Morning Show app. You can listen live to all three hours of the show on your smartphone. 14 till now on the Sunrise Morning Show. Father Patrick Briscoe joins us next. Support is from TBN. Weaving its way through the heart of the Holy Land is a well-worn path that once felt the footsteps of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, King David, and Jesus. Host David Friedman and Mike Pompeo take a sacred journey of hope along Route 60, the biblical highway. Experience the land of the Bible as you've never seen it. In theaters September 18th and 19th, Route 60, the biblical highway. Information at Route60.movie. That's Route60.movie. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. 
Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming. And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonricemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's sonricemorningshow.com. Why do we need to pray? We don't pray because God needs our prayers. We pray because we need God's grace. And every day when I face the day, I realize I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> and I need God to walk me through my day, step by step, giving me the grace, the counsel, the love, the encouragement that enables me to glorify Him in everything that I do and become the person He wants me to be. Prayer is my lifeline. This is Dr. David Anders. Are your friends or family discouraging you from becoming Catholic? We can help on Call to Communion this afternoon at 2 p.m. Eastern. Now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. 11 till, here's Anna with headlines. Pope Francis has offered his prayers as rescue efforts continue in Morocco days after a devastating earthquake rocked the North African country. Today is the 22nd anniversary of the 9-11 terror attacks. Families who lost loved ones that day are gathering again at the World Trade Center Memorial in Manhattan. And for the first time ever, an entire family, the Olma family, was beatified together over the weekend. Next newscast in about 13-ish minutes from now as the Sunrise Morning Show continues here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Father Patrick Briscoe, editor of Our Sunday Visitor. Good morning, Father. Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for joining us. So new seminarians this year are in what is now known as the Propedeutic year. Did I pronounce that correctly? Can you explain what this is? That's right. And if you spell it correctly, we'll give you a gold star. <laughs> P-R-O-P-A-E-D-E-U-T-I-C. Hey, excellent. There we go. Gold star. Thank you. Thank you. Now tell us what this is. So the propedeutic year, in short, is a new prep year that's being added towards seminary. So I, I told a story in a recent column over at Our Sunny Visitor about a conversation I had um, a while back with a, a well-known philosophy professor, and I asked her, because she sees so many aspects of priestly formation, I asked her what what was the most um, concerning thing that she's witnessed. And she said, without hesitation, it was amazing how quickly she said this, I see little evidence that these men live rich interior lives. Oh, wow. And that's an alarming comment. You know, it's it's one woman, like I said, has some, but someone who's, who's very accomplished and certainly knows the situation. Um, so for her to be concerned about the spiritual development in a in a, in a seminary uh, is remarkable. You know, we, we need to take that to heart. So the propedeutic year is a is a way of beginning to address some of the foundational pieces. You know, that the culture is so divergent 
from the culture that we need to be building in seminary, that men need a kind of detox before they come into formation. So even, even before they get into a regular seminary program, because the experiences that they've had, the challenges that they've borne are already so significant, they need, they need time to, to process and to cultivate some of, the, some of the basic virtues of Christian living, including build, building that habit of prayer first and foremost, but also thinking through basic human formation issues, you know, beginning to learn to live in community. Um, so that so that once they get to seminary, some of those basic skills are acquired and, and more natural for them. How would you compare this to the the novitiate year that you had as as you were entering into the Dominican order? Yeah, I think that's that's a really interesting question because when I first was reading about the propedeutic year, and it's been done in in different dioceses um, in this country already, there were there were kind of models for this program. That it picked up and it had been adopted by dioceses in Europe. So I'd, I'd heard of it, um, and my, my initial reaction as a religious priest, as someone who went through a, a novitiate year, a kind of rigorous boot camp year before seminary, I thought this was great. And in yeah. fact, about it's exactly what every priest needs. And and that year, that building of that that strong fraternity and rich interior life um, that a lot of religious go to is go through, rather, is part of what people recognize as the difference between a, a religious priest and a diocesan priest. I think, I think part of it is, is due to this different mode of formation. So I have high hopes for what, what this is going to accomplish for our men. Well, can you talk a little bit more about why this is needed and, and kind of the, the practical aspect of, of what's happening. So this is going on, this is every seminary in the country now that the, the bishops have decided that this is going to be kind of a, a foundational year in any seminary? Exactly, that's right. So this is a new year that is added on to the formation plan for every man who is becoming a priest in the United States. Okay. Um, so so this is added to the to the national standards, basically, for, for formation for Catholic priests. I'm curious of um, some practical things, like how much internet are they allowed to surf? Do they get to keep their smartphones? Um, I, I think of a lot of the things that we need to detox ourselves, like we all need a detox from the culture is so centered on, on technology primarily, Father. Um, do you know, is there any kind of standard in that way? Yeah, that's one of the most important aspects of the propedeutic year. So for me, uh, you know, my, I've been in religious life long enough now that I didn't actually have a smartphone before nice. I entered the order. <laughs> sure. Um, but, of course, all of these men do. So, so even, even with that, though, the, the Internet was, was super prevalent, right? We used, it, we used it for school. We had Wi-Fi in our dorm rooms and all that, you know, so, this, so that all existed. Um, but we still needed that, that kind of detox and innovation. Um, so in my novitiate, we didn't use the internet at all. We had no personal cell phones um, at all, you know, for a year. So, so I think I think that was one of the most important aspects, and that is a huge part of what the propedeutic year is asking. So, so it limits a, a man's access to his phone, to the internet. Again, really to carve out that time to hear the voice of God. So that's going to look a little bit different in each place, but but that's the fundamental principle. That, um, that men will, will step back from the constant barrage of our, of our media and smartphone culture um, and learn to hear the voice of God. 
And so what do you think is the importance for us as the faithful for a priest to have this extra gear to really focus on his interior life? Yeah, I, so one of the things that I want to do in, in defending and talking so positively about it is to help people understand um, what this year is supposed to be because it could look like they're not doing anything. You know, I think that's a risk. We say we need priests, we need to accelerate formation, we could cut down costs if we remove this kind of year-long retreat. Um, and I think I think that would be a grave risk. So we can support the financial needs of developing these new programs because they're, they're what our men need, and this will help them be better priests. You can read more about it. Father's got a column over at our Sunday Visitor on this new propedeutic gear in seminaries across the country. Go to OurSundayVisitor.com. And you can find Father Patrick's piece and everything that he's written over at OSV. Father, it was really good to talk to you. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks for having me on. Have a great week. You do the same. Thank you so much, Father. All right. We got another hour of the Sunrise Morning Show coming up for most of our affiliates here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Talking to Teresa Tamio, Brandon Hodge, Stephanie Mann, and a lot more. Hope you can stay with us. Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home to Faith when Jay Joyce will discuss his new book describing the Catholic Chapel at the United States Military Academy at West Point. Father Jonathan Meyer will show the relationship between Mary and the Eucharist. I'll talk about Mary on her birthday, the frequent traffic and weather. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ the Being prepared is everything, right? Does your family know your wishes for your final resting place? Gate of Heaven Cemetery, Archdiocese of Cincinnati's pre-planning family services advisors will assist you and your family with your advanced planning by helping you make decisions calmly and with a clear mind. Attend an upcoming pre-planning seminar at Gate of Heaven Cemetery so you can rest with peace of mind. 513-489-0300. 513-489-0300. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from J.C. Health Insurance agent George Justin. If you're turning 65, retiring, or simply have Medicare questions, George has answers. George is your pro-family, pro-life guide to Medicare, helping to simplify your transition by guiding you through the options to find a plan that meets your unique needs, all at no cost to you. Find out more from George Johnston at J.C. Health Insurance, 859-414-6591. That's 859-414-6591. The Cincinnati Chapter of Legatus is a national network of Catholic business owners, CEOs, and managing partners facing the challenges of faith, family, and business each day. We meet once a month with our spouse for a mass, dinner, and speaker. We have the support of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati, and many members throughout the parishes, including yours. We would appreciate the chance to share what we are about with you and enjoy Mass together soon. Contact us at Cincinnati at Legatus.org. That's Cincinnati at Legatus.org. Pregnancy Center West is committed to protecting the unborn by encouraging women to see and choose the beauty of life while offering practical assistance for them and their families. Donate securely online at supportpcw.org. That's supportpcw.org. For more than 150 years, the Comboni missionaries have traveled to nearly every corner of the world. 
founded by St. Daniel Comboni. We are an international Catholic organization dedicated to ministering the world's poorest and most abandoned people. Your donations make a huge impact, and 95% are used to fund our many projects. Find out more at ComboniMissionaries.org. That is ComboniMissionaries.org. This is Father John Paul Walker, pastor of St. Gertrude in Madeira. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. Continue on this Monday, the 11th of September. Uh, it's the anniversary of the attacks on our country, and we continue to pray for our dead. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God, our Father, your power brings us to birth. Your providence guides our lives, and by your command, we return to dust. Lord, those who die still live in your presence. Their lives change, but do not end. I pray and hope for my family, relatives, and friends and for all the dead known to you alone. In company with Christ who died and now lives, may they rejoice in your kingdom where all our tears are wiped away. Unite us together again in one family to sing your praise forever and ever. Amen. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. And may the souls of the faithful departed through the mercy of God rest in peace. Amen. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. We are glad that you're with us here on a Monday morning. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. And up this hour, Teresa Tamio along from EWTN and Ave Maria Radio's Catholic Connection. I'm sure she has plenty of memories related to uh, what she was doing um, and how she was processing all the information 23 years ago, or 22 years ago, I should say, uh, when the September 11th attacks happened. Brendan Hodge is going to have more thoughts on classical education, and I know he's been leaning on Dorothy L. Sayers a lot for these segments. Stephanie Mann also along as well to discuss more English martyrs that every Catholic should know about. Right now, though, it is two minutes past the hour. News of service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. Pope Francis has offered his prayers as rescue efforts continue in Morocco after a magnitude 6.8 earthquake rocked the country earlier in the weekend. More than 2,100 people are confirmed dead and the toll is expected to continue to rise. Thousands were injured as well as the quake was the strongest to hit Morocco in more than a century. The country's King Mohammed VI ordered mosques nationwide to hold funeral prayers yesterday. Offers of assistance have been pouring in from around the world, including from the U.S. Officials at the American Embassy in the Moroccan capital say they're not aware of any American fatalities. During his Angelus address yesterday, Pope Francis said he was close to the dear Moroccan people. He said, I thank the rescue workers and those who are seeking to alleviate people's suffering. He said, May the concrete aid of everyone sustain the people in this tragic moment, end quote. 
The Holy Father also had prayers for those suffering from a cyclone that hit Brazil last week, leaving thousands homeless. Meanwhile, Hurricane Lee is growing larger. Mark Mayfield reports. The National Hurricane Center says the Category 3 storm has maximum sustained winds of roughly 120 miles per hour as it moves northwest. Hazardous beach conditions are expected to spread throughout the western Atlantic during the week. The system could bring life-threatening surf and rip current conditions along much of the east coast. There were no coastal watches or warnings in effect as of late Sunday night. I'm Mark Mayfield. Today is the 22nd anniversary of the 9-11 terror attacks. Families who lost loved ones that day will be gathering at the World Trade Center Memorial in Manhattan. During a ceremony, names of the nearly 3,000 victims killed will be read out loud, along with the tolling of bells and moments of silence. President Biden will mark the occasion in Alaska on his return home from the G20 summit in India and a subsequent visit to Vietnam. The president will meet with first responders and military members at Joint Base Elmendorf-Richardson in Anchorage. For the first time ever, an entire family was beatified together over the weekend. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Luboff reports. The Ulma family, whose beatification took place Sunday, has become a symbol of Poles who rescued Jews during World War II, according to Archbishop Stanislaw Gadecki. In an interview with Vatican Radio, the president of the Polish Bishops' Conference shared his thoughts on how the beatification strengthens Catholic-Jewish relations. Archbishop Gadecki explains that the Ulma family was executed by Nazi Germans on the 24th of March, 1944, for harboring Jews. Two parents and seven children were murdered, he said. This tragic event is now unprecedented in the history of the church, since it is the first time an entire family is being beatified together. Discussing the significance of the Elma's beatification, Archbishop Gadecki highlighted the theme of human solidarity, emphasizing the willingness to help others, even when it involves risking our own lives. The president of the Polish bishops stressed that the Elmas were aware of the risks that they were taking by hiding Jews. This family, he said, must have realized that even though they lived at some distance from the village, they put themselves in great danger from the Germans by sheltering several people in the attic of their home. The archbishop said that the Elma children did not fully understand the situation and may have accidentally told the wrong people. The need to make larger food purchases at the store may have also drawn the interest of outsiders. He pointed out that other families also assisted, resulting in 21 survivors in the village, highlighting the solidarity of the community. Archbishop Gadecki noted that the Elma's actions were rooted in their Christian love. Their actions also confirm, he said, their respect for every life from conception to natural death. They knew that every life must be protected and they made that ultimate sacrifice for it. I'm Deborah Kesselana-Lubov. And moviegoers are taking up a new habit as The Nun 2 topped this weekend's box office. The latest in the Warner Brothers Conjuring series took in an estimated $32.6 million in its opening weekend. Is this a horror film, Matt? The Nun 2? Yes. And yes, UN, The Nun. Interesting. So. I know nothing about it. So. All my uh, experiences with the nuns have been, thankfully, rather joyful and non horrible. And not scary. Yeah. But, like, I don't know, man. I, uh,. I don't know why they got to pick on nuns. I don't know either. It yeah, just seems horrible. Like even just seeing the poster, I'm like, this looks terrible. Like, why would yeah. I put this in my brain? 
why would you want to do that? Yeah. I have enough mm-hmm. stupid things in my brain. Brain? I don't think we'll be reviewing that one. No. No, I, I myself am not going to go see it. I got to admit. Well, this time of year, they have all these like horrible looking horror oh, movies. They run yeah. like promos like for them during NFL Halloween. games and stuff. And yeah. you're like, that looks awful. Like, why would I do that to myself? I know, right? Why? Uh-huh. Just watch Curse of the Were-Rabbit and be fine. I know, right? Totally with you. Wallace and totally Gromit. with you. Just watch Wallace and Gromit. Teresa Tamio now joining us from EWTN and Avia Maria Radio's Catholic Connection. Teresa, how are you? I'm well. How are you? And yeah, I agree. I'm not going to go see that. I mean, it's just, first of all, those horror things, you know, are very, very demonic-based. And people say, oh, you know, movies are innocent. But when you start opening yourself up to that, especially with such negative images of the religious, why would you waste your money and support Hollywood in that way? Well, generally speaking, Teresa, I stay away from, like, all the exorcism hype, even from people who are like, well, we Mm got to know, we got to know, you know, so we can be aware. I'm like, I'm pretty aware that demons are terrible, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to attract any unnecessary attention. (laughs) Right. I totally agree. But, Teresa, today is uh, the uh, anniversary of the September 11th attacks, and uh, there are so many things to reflect upon. It's hard to believe. You know, I was trying to think about this. Paul Lockman and I were talking on the air it's been 22 years. Uh, you know, when mm-hmm. I was a kid, I was trying to think, like, what would have happened 22 years before I was born? And how would it have been talked about in my lifetime? It seems impossible. Like, the things that happened 22 years ago when I was a kid seemed like centuries ago. And September 11th still feels yeah. very close. Uh, I think it's, you know, partly mm-hmm. because of the media and how um, advanced it was at the time relative to how advanced media was in the sixties, you know, the years before I was born, but it does still feel very close to me. I don't know if it does to you. Well, it does to me. I remember it's one of those things where you remember where you were. And then those of us old enough also to remember, cause I was a, a practically a baby when, when uh, John Kennedy, uh, president Kennedy was shot, but those are those moments that stick in your head. And I was actually on my way to give a talk to a women's group that morning. And I went ahead and gave it. I mean, they still wanted me to come. And so it was about the media. And so we focused that day on the importance of the media before the media obviously started to just, you know, run that whole story in the ground. I remember they asked them to stop. Some of the um, politicians asked the networks to stop showing the planes going to the towers because children were having reoccurring nightmares and whatnot. But, yeah, I went and I gave a talk about, about media, and we prayed quite a bit at that, uh, at that meeting. We went on with it. And I'll never forget that. We had a TV in there, and we were watching it while it was speaking. So it was a very... Just, it was such an eerie feeling. I think also for me, it, it was very personal. I had a cousin who uh, actually was teaching nearby and was overcome by the fumes and everything and ran away from the building. And then, of course, when I was a child, going back to see my grandparents in Jersey City, my grandfather would take me down to the water, and they lived right on the Hudson River, and I watched the World Trade Center go up. So that was a very big part of my life because we would go back to visit them quite frequently. So, yeah. Yeah, a day, gosh, 22 years ago. 22 years went by fast, though, I'll tell you. It did indeed. You know, 2001, September 11th, uh, actually Sacred Heart Radio was in its first year of operation, and that night Mm. it scheduled a banquet, uh, kind of our first sort of event uh, to to invite people in. You can bet that the the keynote address changed very rapidly (laughs) that day. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I was in college, and I actually had golf class that morning, and I was flipping through the channels, and I flipped past it a couple of times. We only had like four or five channels uh, in the dorms mm-hmm. at Asbury, and I remember flipping past it a couple of times before I realized that what I was watching was actual 
real-time Real. news. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I had a uh, sore throat, and I went over to um, the clinic, walked across campus to the clinic, and they were giving me, like, a strep test. And they did it for me in the lobby of the like the waiting room of the clinic because everybody was gathered around watching and we were that's where i was when when i saw the buildings fall it was like a just a surreal Mm. moment but i was in formation for media at the time uh teresa that's like what i was going to school for and just yeah you know these days we sort of take for granted that when you turn on fox news or cnn or msnbc or literally any channel it feels like nfl red zone what you've got is the hosts who are talking and they take up you know sort of i don't know the upper corner of the screen and you've got a column down the side full of information you got like three crawlers Mm -hmm. going with like info everywhere it didn't used to be like that it started being like that on september 11th 2001 because Mm -hmm. there was so much pouring in prior to that i mean you're looking at a face on a screen and maybe a lower third graphic but it just it's amazing to me how fast the information started pouring in, and it just never slowed down from there in terms of right. like what gets presented to our senses when we turn on television or to look at uh, streams and feeds and, and YouTube. There's an interesting story on, on the wire service that Annie and I use called Metro Source, and they were talking about the technology compared to uh, now and 22 years ago, and it really did start to change then. And if you think about it, even though it was 24-7, you know, round-the-clock news because it was such a major break in the story, they didn't have everything we have now. Well, we didn't even know, really know what a tweet was right back then, 22 years ago. And, and the different types of social media, some were available, but not all of it. But the way that we are 24-7, even more so than we were back in 2001, it's incredible to think about, God forbid, um, if anything you know near that could happen again. Please, God, no. But if it did, I wonder, I, I'm seeing the news coverage would be much different and much more expansive, if you can believe it. Think about it. Well, I think part of it is because it happened here. Right. It happened here in the United States and happened Mm -hmm. in New York City, uh, kind of one of our most celebrated uh, cities. You know, I went on to gosh, I won't even start the controversy by saying which website I went on today. And I was like, my goodness, what happened in Morocco? I'm listening to Annie's news and the death and destruction, the chaos. Mm -hmm. I pulled up the local news site or not the local news site, the national cable news site. And it's political news. It's a celebrity wedding. It's like. A couple of celebrity scandals. It's something about Putin, and I'm like, "Where is the news about this thing that happened in Morocco, where the scale of it?" I is said like... the same thing. I said and... the same thing when I was going to the news together today. Exactly. Right, but, mm-hmm. but what but what, it, what strikes me is that you know we have to be careful. You know, in September 11th, it was so easy to just get. Um, I don't know. Uh, look for the thing that would you know titillate us. Uh, that would like maybe get us more kind of like sucked into the story, um, maybe has more emotional impact to it. And I think that that the way that we consume news um, as a result can be very dangerous because we can miss the things that are Mm -hmm. actually important. I think that, you know, maybe what happened in the newsroom, uh, the assignment desk at this particular place where I was looking was like, you know what? People don't really care about Morocco. People do care about this particular celebrity. Bump them up. (laughs) You know, like when Mm -hmm. we consume in a certain way, we drive that. Right. But I do think that, that this is a story, and it's all over the Catholic websites, of course, which because they think of our focus on life, right? And every person is dignified and made in the image and likeness of God. The Pope gave 
two statements actually sent um, a note from the, Sec- the Vatican Secretary of State, Cardinal Carolyn, and then again yesterday, which Annie reported at the Angelus, he said it again and called for prayers for the, for the victims, for the families, also for the rescue workers. And I think we need to do that. That's why the discernment process when you do news is so important and what you're going to put forward to people, because as you said, they will determine what they think is important and then, then it feeds upon each other. The Internet picks it up, you know, all the social media outlets, and then it just becomes a cycle. Well, I hope we've built a good case for people to support what you're doing at Ave Maria Radio uh, and trying to get this right. And if our listeners want to help you out, if you could briefly mention how they can do so. Sure. Well, I would encourage everyone uh, to think about or check out your local Catholic radio station, whether it's Sacred Heart, whether it's Ave Maria, because right this time of year, many of the the local affiliates are having their, their pledge drives, and we need their support, first and foremost in prayer, but then secondly, whatever you can do for your local radio station. We'll be broadcasting Catholic Connection in 9 a.m. each an hour as normal, but then right after that, I'll be going back to our studios in Ann Arbor. And in the first hour of the show, which normally broadcasts to Michigan and then northern Ohio in Toledo, which carries my programming, We'll be doing the local drive. So, you know, this week will, will be normal time to, for our program. But it's really important for local listeners to support local stations, especially for stations like you. For example, you have local interviews that we do, and, and so do we. We have several hours of local programming, which is really important to the community. And so, again, Ave Maria Radio, that is our website. But anyone who has a Catholic radio affiliate in their backyard, if they know of them, if they haven't supported them, and I think it's, sometimes people get busy, they forget, they don't intentionally ignore supporting it. And they forget, though, that we do need, first and foremost, again, prayers, but also whatever you can give financially makes a huge difference. So AveMariaRadio.net for us. And then, again, check out the local radio station in your backyard that may need your funding. Of course, EWTN makes it all possible, and you can support them Amen. so that they can support us as well. So thank you so much, Teresa Tamio. Have a wonderful day. Okay, God bless. Have a good week. Bye-bye. Headlines next at 17 past. The first annual Dominican Rosary Pilgrimage, sponsored by the Dominican Friars Foundation, will take place on Saturday, September 30th at the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C. This all-day event will feature conferences by Father Gregory Pine, resuscitation of the rosary, a fervorino by Father Lawrence Liu, and mass with Father James Brent as homilist. Join us for this day of prayer to Our Lady. For more information, visit rosarypilgrimage.org. That's rosarypilgrimage.org. Support is from TBN. Weaving its way through the heart of the Holy Land is a well-worn path that once felt the footsteps of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, King David, and Jesus. Host David Friedman and Mike Pompeo take a sacred journey of hope along Route 60, the biblical highway. Experience the land of the Bible as you've never seen it. In theaters, September 18th and 19th, Route 60, the biblical highway. Information at Route60.movie. That's Route60.movie. It's back to school time and back to a busier morning routine. If you're going to need some help to get going, get yourself a few bags of Mystic Monk coffee. And when you go to the Mystic Monk site through the link you find at sunrisemorningshow.com, you'll give us a boost with a commission on your purchase. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and perhaps a water bottle for your student. All available in our online store. Find our store and link to Mystic Monk coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. If you're currently an EWTN media missionary or just interested in becoming one, we've got some great news. EWTN Media Missionaries has a new and improved website. 
EWTNMissionary.com. Designed with you in mind. Our new site is loaded with great features and it's easy to navigate. There are so many different ways that you can help EWTN. Join us in sharing the eternal word with the world. Visit EWTNMissionary.com today. 19 past, here's Anna with headlines. Pope Francis has offered his prayers as rescue efforts continue in Morocco days after a magnitude 6.8 earthquake rocked the country. Families who lost loved ones in the 9-11 terror attacks will be gathering at the World Trade Center Memorial in Manhattan for the 22nd anniversary today. And for the first time ever, an entire family was beatified together in Poland yesterday. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Alma family, pray, pray for, for us. us. It's a happy birthday story. to my sister Jane. Happy birthday, Jane. Happy birthday to my nephew Jack, actually. Brandon Hodges. Uh, oh, yeah. Brandon, Brandon's on here in just a minute. Yeah, in just a minute. Yeah, and you get your big feasts this weekend. I am so pumped. Feast of the Exaltation of the Holy Cross. Feast of Our Lady of Sorrows. Next week, we'll be celebrating the Feast of San Gennaro, who's my boy. Of course, and you've got... All of that working together. you got so many cool with stories Roma. related to St. Janiarius. Yes. San Gennaro. So, yeah, September's lined love, up. Be some, some love the stuff. Saints of September, man. St. John Chrysostom on Wednesday, which is Freddie's birthday. Yes. Can you believe four years ago, Freddie was not with us yet? That's wild. <laughs> We were talking about it this weekend. Like, I don't know what life was like before Freddie Egan. It's impossible to imagine <laughs> life before Freddie. I know, Uncle Map. It's 21 past. Jesus said, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Do business with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Check out the angels list on sacredheartradio.com. It's a list of businesses who underwrite Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. And if you'd like to get your business on the angels list, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Delhi and Harrison Pet Centers with everything your pet needs from guppies to puppies. Offering curbside pickup in-store and online shopping at DelhiPetCenter.com. That's DelhiPetCenter.com. not over. Unplanned pregnancies still happen. I'm Marianne Koharski, Director of Pro-Life Across America. In my 30 plus years, I've never seen such a concerted attempt to silence our efforts and at a time when it's most needed. There's a powerful effort to prevent and block our pro-life messages. Our billboards, social media, and digital ads are all impacted. Our messages feature a hotline number connecting callers with more than 3,000 pregnancy support centers across America, offering alternatives to abortion, free ultrasound, and pregnancy assistance. Babies' lives are being saved. The need still exists. It really does. And Pro-Life Across America needs your help. Please find us at ProLifeAcrossAmerica.org. Did you know I could suck my thumb before I was born? Yep, we all started small. Pro-Life Across America. 
Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Sunset Janitorial Supply, a Catholic family business supplying the tri-state cleaning industry with commercial cleaning supplies, personal hygiene, equipment, and even machine repair. Free delivery to your business. More information at sunsetjanitorialsupply.com. It's 23 minutes past the hour, and you're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Happy to have you along with us on a Monday morning. Brendan Hodge joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He is Darwin from the Darwin Catholic blog. He's author of If You Can Get It from Ignatius Press and a contributing editor to The Pillar. Brendan, welcome back. Good morning. Uh, Before we get to classical education, can you tell me how old is Jack Hodge today? Uh, Jack Hodge is 15 today. 15. Wow. Like, he wasn't even alive on September 11th, 2001. That's crazy. That's crazy to me. Well, no, please... no. I, none of the kids were. We had just found out the day before that we were pregnant with our first child, who's now 21. Wow. That's crazy. Well, please wish Jack a very happy birthday from the Sunrise Morning Show family when you get after you get off the line. Don't tell him right now because we're going to talk about <laughs> we got to talk about classical education today. Continuing to look at Dorothy L. Sayers' ideas on classical education, and last time we were looking specifically at literature and why it is foundational when it comes to the formation of a student. Today, we're going to be looking at history. So first of all, what are the building blocks of a ca- classical education in history? So the, the building blocks that a, children lear- a child learns in the earliest stages are uh, a lot of the, the names, the dates, and the stories that kind of serve as the guideposts as you learn about history later in life. So a child might learn stories about Alexander the Great, about Julius Caesar, about William the Conqueror, about Christopher Columbus and George Washington. Um, And they'd learn how these stories can fit together. So you might, for instance, learn that the Great Pyramids, when Alexander the Great saw them, when he traveled to Egypt, were as old for him as Alexander the Great is for us. And so Mm. you would start to get this sense of how time stretches out and how different things relate to each other. And how about when you talk about this in, um, you know, like in a homeschooling setting, like in in your home or in a a Catholic school, for instance, fitting in sort of the the providential history, if you will? So the key thing that we learned here is that... uh, we worship a God who came to us in history. Uh, God is not some separate thing from history. It's not just a floating spirituality that's disconnected from the events of the world. And Jesus really is central to the way that we measure out time and uh, the changes that we've seen within the world. I mean, you see this kind of secular attempt to take Jesus out of history by talking about before the common era and the common era instead of before Christ and Anno Domine. Mm -hmm. But even when people do that with the dates, I think that they, they fail to recognize not only that our numbering system centers on Christ, but also just the radical change in uh, world culture that you see with the entry of Christ into this world. I think one of the things that you start to learn as you study ancient history and as you study the, the changes in cultures as Christianity entered into history is how radically different and in many ways radically alien 
the culture before Christ uh, was to to our notions of morality and uh, and what the divine is, how different the ancient notions of godhood were from what we would recognize as a god worth worshiping. Absolutely. So, uh, looking at history as a subject, how how the the you were just talking about the the building blocks, learning the stories and the dates and things of that nature. How does this end up being foundational for further studies later on? So it's really important to learn these milestones as you move into learning history in a more detailed fashion, because often I think the risk is that when we jump straight into teaching history, I mean, like, for instance, I have children in uh, traditional schools right now, so they've got history books. And so you'll study Ohio history in one year and U.S. history in another year and world history in another. And so you'll, you'll jump in and you'll learn these units, which are focused on particular periods and particular places. But if you don't have this overall structure of how these different parts of the world fit together and how these different time periods fit together, it can actually become difficult in the child's mind to understand how these things relate to each other and the overall framework, the, the story of history that uh, all of these different events fit into. And at that point, you'll have kind of this disconnected idea where Julius Caesar was around at the same time as the building of the pyramids and the Middle Ages were really at the same time as Columbus. Yeah. And uh, people just, they don't understand how these different pieces fit together and how one thing led to another it kind of becomes this jumble of little specialized pieces yeah that's a really good point now i want to ask you about sort of modern culture today because uh we've seen any number of times now what like the tearing down of statues for instance i mean a lot of criticism of of what you're describing here in in classical education of history the more woke among us would say that this is actually foundational in in creating implicit bias in in children other others might not go that far necessarily but would say that you know a lot of these stories we learn about of historic figures are just hey geography so would you push back on that point brendan or do you think they have a point well, I think that it's one of those things that can be done either way. Uh, certainly, there are there are works out there that become kind of hagiographic, and I think that that's that's a bad move because it gives us a incorrect view of historical figures. But I think it's entirely possible to study historical figures, even people who did very bad things as well as good ones, and recognize that fully rounded person rather than painting each person who did some evil things, like say Columbus as just a complete villain with no redeeming qualities. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. We've been talking to Brendan Hodge. You can find the Darwin Catholic blog linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Read more of his thoughts on this and many other things. Brendan, thank you. Thank you. All right, it's half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. Pope Francis has offered his prayers as rescue efforts continue in Morocco days after a magnitude 6.8 earthquake rocked the North African country. He also sent his prayers to those suffering from a cyclone that hit Brazil last week, leaving thousands homeless. In his Angelus address, the Holy Father said he was close to the dear Moroccan people. He said, quote, I thank the rescue workers and those who are seeking to alleviate people's suffering, saying, May the concrete aid of everyone sustain the people in this tragic moment, end quote. Meanwhile, the rescue efforts are ongoing in Morocco. 
More from Mark Mayfield. More than 2,100 people are confirmed dead and the toll is expected to rise. Thousands were injured as the quake was the strongest to hit the nation in more than a century. Morocco's King Mohammed VI ordered mosques nationwide to hold funeral prayers on Sunday. Offers of assistance have been pouring in from around the world, including the U.S. Officials at the American Embassy in the Moroccan capital say that they're not aware of any American fatalities. I'm Mark Mayfield. Families who lost loved ones in the 9-11 terror attacks will be gathering at the World Trade Center Memorial in Manhattan for the 22nd anniversary of the attacks today. During a ceremony, names of nearly 3,000 victims killed will be read aloud. There will be moments of silence, bell tolls, and music as part of this ceremony. And for the first time this year, there will be a tribute at the Memorial Glade after the ceremony to recognize those who have died from and are still experiencing illnesses tied to the aftermath of the 9-11 attacks. For the first time ever, an entire family was beatified together yesterday. The Catholic News Agency reports the, beatific- the beatification ceremony for Josef and Victoria Olma and their seven children took place yesterday in Poland. The Olma family, including a newborn baby, were murdered by the Nazis for hiding Jews in their home. Pope Francis recognized them all as martyrs in December, paving the way for their beatification yesterday. During his Angelus Address catechesis yesterday, Pope Francis reflected on the Sunday Gospel and the importance of fraternal correction. From Vatican Radio, Devin Watkins reports. Fraternal correction, said Pope Francis, is one of the highest expressions of love and also one of the most demanding. When a brother in faith wrongs you, then you, without rancor, should help him by correcting him, he said. However, acknowledged the Holy Father, the first step we most often take is that of spreading gossip about a person instead of confronting them directly and privately. Such an attitude does not please God, he said, since gossip is a plague on the life of people and communities. Gossip, added the Pope, leads us to division, suffering, and scandal, and never helps improve or grow, but rather plunges us toward perdition and ruin. Pope Francis noted that Jesus offers us a better path when we have been injured by someone. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone, as Jesus said. The Pope urged Christians to speak to one another face to face in order to help the other person understand their fault. Do it for their own good, he said, overcoming shame and finding true courage, which is not to slander, but to tell them to their face with meekness and gentleness. If after a private and frank conversation the person does not mend their ways, we may look for help from others. And even if after these first two steps have been pursued and no change has taken place, then we may turn to the community, not to pillory or publicly shame the person, but to unite our efforts to help them change. In conclusion, Pope Francis invited us to consider our attitude toward those who wrong us. And he asked the Blessed Virgin Mary to help each of us seek the path of goodness in our relationship with others. I'm Devin Watkins. Pennsylvania State Police are expanding their search for an escaped killer after new sightings. The head of the state police confirmed several sightings beyond the original search perimeter, along with releasing new images of a clean-shaven Danilo Cavacanti caught on doorbell cameras. Authorities also recovered a stolen white van, which the 34-year-old fugitive 
was believed to have been driving. Lieutenant Colonel George Bivens called it a minor setback, but he's confident Cavalcante will be captured. That's the news. It's 35 past the hour. When you click subscribe at sacredheartradio.com, you get our show notes in your inbox with links to everything featured on the Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith. To know when your favorite guests are on, go to sacredheartradio.com and click subscribe. This is Chris Knockelman, owner of Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Our family has been a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio for more than a decade, and we encourage other businesses to do the same. Find us at skpha.com, skpha.com. Offering Catholic retreats based on Ignatian spirituality, the Jesuit Spiritual Center invites you to a weekend of prayer and renewal led by various retreat masters, including Father Michael Graham. Join others for a weekend of silence as you experience the great treasures of the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Register now at jesuitspiritualcenter.com, jesuitspiritualcenter.com. That's JesuitSpiritualCenter.com, JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this Monday, September the 11th. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at skpha.com. Looks like it's going to be fairly nice today. Right now, temperatures in the upper 50s, lower 60s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, it'll be mostly sunny today and warmer with a high of 84 degrees. Mostly cloudy tonight with an overnight low of 62. Some off and on rain expected tomorrow and cooler temperatures, a high of 75 degrees. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, some morning fog, then sun today and a high of 81 degrees. Mostly cloudy with a chance of a rain shower in the overnight hours with a low of 63. Mostly cloudy with a few rain showers likely tomorrow and a high of 72 degrees. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. The Sunrise Morning Show continues on this Monday, September the 11th, uh, one of the few dates on the calendar where just by saying the name of the day it evokes a whole bunch of memories for a whole lot of people Anna Mitchell I mentioned and Teresa Tommy and I were talking earlier in the hour about where we were and uh, what was going on and what struck us uh, about those moments I wonder where you were and what you were doing and what you thought when you first learned of the September 11th attacks back in 2001 well I was a senior in high school and Let's see, I was in calculus class when a teacher at the end of the class told us that there was some kind of an attack on on the country in, in, in New York and then went on to my economics class, or no, not economics, civics class next. And there my teacher turned on the TV and then the rest of the day was basically just watching the television at school and then coming home and finding my dad just kind of like staring at the TV. I mentioned today is my sister's birthday. And so um, it was a very strange uh, birthday night for her. She's actually now living in New York City and uh, works with people who lost parents in the 9-11 attacks. I mean, it, it brings a whole new... Um, 
a whole new insight into the day, having heard from her about these things, because I didn't know anybody that was was really personally affected. I mean, we were all personally affected in in kind of a, you know, a disembodied kind of way. But people who actually lost family members, she knows these people. And 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 so it's just it it just makes me I sit back and I think, oh, my experience of 9-11. No, no. Like there were there are nearly 3000 people who died in in the World Trade Center that day, those who died in Pennsylvania, those who died on Flight 93, those who died at the Pentagon. I mean, the this day is is to support them and to be yeah. with them in in spirit, to be with them in prayer, uh, to sustain them as the body of Christ. Yeah, to put those numbers in perspective, the casualties from 9-11, that's uh, basically the same amount of people as have been reported dead so far in this Moroccan earthquake. Yeah. I mean, this is it, what's wild to me is that, you know, there have been so many catastrophic events, so many horrific things that have happened um, throughout the world in so many ways. And and some of them grab our attention. Some of them pass almost unnoticed. Uh, mm-hmm. But this is... You know, this 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 happened on our soil, right? So yeah. we're obviously going to have that that much deeper connection uh, with it. And you know, I struggled a little bit because the Sunrise Morning Show started in September of 2007 yeah. uh, as a local Catholic radio show before um, going on as an EWTN syndicated show about a year and a half later. And one of the first things we had to figure out when we were putting it together, myself and Brian Patrick, uh, is. Well, what are we going to do when about a week after being on the air, uh, we've got to mark September 11th? Uh, mm-hmm. Because it was very fresh, right? Yeah. 2007 is not very not very, not very long off. after yeah. after 2001. And, you know, a struggle for me was as the years went on, uh, do we do, because I mean, those first couple of years we did a, basically the whole show was just interviewing people about September 11th and their experience and, and you know, priests and, you know, their... Uh, how what do you remember from those interviews? I'm curious how you, like, do you remember any of those conversations? I mean, I know Brian was doing the interviews, but. Um, sure, I was booking them. Yeah. Right? I mean, I was <laughs> I was picking these people because I thought they had somebody, something to say about it. Sure. Um, I mean, I was selecting, you know, I did, I do remember uh, trying to reach out to several priests and saying, hey, what did you say, mm. you know, at that daily mass that morning? Yeah. Um, what did you say at that noon mass that day? Uh, what things did you, you do to make sure your day? church was left unlocked, uh, you know, pretty much 24-7 for the next week? Yeah, because, uh, because those a lot pews of that was were happening. full. Those, yeah, those churches were full. Were full. <clears throat> what did you say that first Sunday afterwards? Yeah. Um, I do remember a lot of that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, I, I think we had some, some military chaplains as well and uh, some other other people of that of that ilk. Uh, you know what? What is interesting in that, and this is the one thing that I was thinking about this morning as we were preparing to do this show, and what we're going to say is, I know tons and tons of people who their journey back to Christ or their journey toward the the Catholic faith um, happened as a direct result of the things that they were thinking about and pondering, and in, mm-hmm. in, in light of the September 11th attacks. Uh, I got a friend, Zubair Simonson, who was a Muslim student at the University of Michigan, heading to. Um, to Farsi language class when he found out, uh, and it was you know him and a class full of Muslims reacting, and and he shares his experience of that story and and how it was a very you know big spiritual turning point for him. Like, um, what do I believe about God? 
Yeah. Right. Um, I know another guy, uh, Elvis Gutierrez, who wrote up his story for us, who was actually a second responder, as it were, at 9-11 because he had thrown out his back on September 11th and was off work that day. Well, he wasn't off work for very long. Yeah. Uh, right. It kind of didn't matter. Um, and how that was a real gut check for him. Like, what do I believe about about everything? And I've known countless others um, who have either written their stories or told them to me privately, told them to you privately. Um, and, you know, I kind of – the thing that, that sticks in my mind is, you know, what did you – what kind of Christian were you on September 12th, 2001? Those of you who are alive and cognizant of what was happening. Yeah. I hope I would hope that in the past 22 years you've matured a little bit, right? Uh, but in terms of, like, your absolute reliance on God, in terms of your just absolute clarity that you needed to depend upon God, that you did not know what the world was going to be like, in the next 24 hours and that you were fully reliant upon God, fully open to him and his providence and his guidance. Um, can you put yourself back in that headspace? Because a lot of stuff has happened since. Um, a pandemic has happened, few elections, papal and presidential, and a lot of social media stuff, and it's a pretty distracting world. But... I would just say, put yourself back in that space and think, what was it like when everything was up for grabs in an instant? And I knew the only thing I had and could count on was God. Like, what if you could think like that all the time? What if, what if you could think all the time, like, all I've got is the Eucharist and divine mercy? <laughs> what yeah. if you could think like that all the time? I just, that's my challenge for the day. Well. Wow. I mean, it is a great challenge for for all of us to sit back and remember that this is a day that I mean, for us as Americans really, really hit us hard, obviously, that that this was it was that feeling. I mean, like we we started off talking about where were you when when you found out? Right. Because we all had that feeling. We knew we could feel in, in St. Paul when he talks about how we are the body of Christ. And when one member suffers, we all suffer. And when one has success, we all rejoice. Well, we all felt that suffering. We felt that in a very real way, what St. Paul was saying in his letter. And and I hope that we all will have that again. I mean, I think we, we get those in, in individual moments, but when we look at any tragedy, that takes place. And when we look back at 9-11 and know that there are people who still suffer today from it, whether they're suffering from illnesses, I, I mentioned in the news that that this will be the first year that, that they will pay tribute to those who died from illnesses, from breathing in all of that, all of that ash and smoke and debris and, and chemicals that, that came from the, the collapse of the two towers. Um, being united with them as the body of Christ, being united with those who still mourn their loved ones who died that day and in the days following, to remember that that we are suffering with them. And and I have to sit back and think, you know, the, some people will sit and, and point to something like the 9-11 terror attacks and say, where was God in that? You know, where was God? He wasn't there. 
and I beg to differ. I, I, I very much believe that, that on the other side of the veil, um, God willing, when we get to see it, all of the good that came out of that, because God works all things for good. We just heard that in the, the second reading, uh, what, a couple of weeks ago, I think, at Mass. God works all things for the good. And it's hard to sit back and look at something like 9-11 and, and believe that, but that is where our trust in the Lord comes in. And so that is the challenge that I would put out to folks as we approach the Feast of the Exaltation of the Holy Cross, as we approach the Feast of Our Lady of Sorrows at the end of this week, that, that we look at tragedy and, and believe even more in a greater good that can come out of it. Well, what does Joseph say to his brothers when they discover that this brother that they'd sold into slavery now holds their destiny <laughs> in the midst of a famine? Yeah. Um, he says to them, this is in Genesis chapter 50, what you intended against me for evil, God intended for good in order to accomplish a day like this. Well, what day is it? Like what kinds of things have borne fruit in your life that are, if you look back, um, a part of a chain of events that, it, you know, of which... 9/11 was a piece. Yeah. Uh, there's a. Uh, it's hard to think of, hard to think of how you'd be who you are, without having witnessed that. Those of you who are old enough to remember it. Yeah. May the souls of the faithful departed through the mercy of God rest, rest in, in peace, peace. As we prayed at the beginning of this hour. Amen. Stephanie Mann joins us next. It's 14 till. <laughs> your help. Hello, I'm Marianne Kuharski, Director of Pro-Life Across America. In my 30-plus years, I've never seen such a concerted attempt to silence our efforts and at a time when it's most needed. There's a powerful effort to prevent and block our pro-life messages. Our billboards, social media, and digital ads are all impacted. Unplanned pregnancies still happen. Our ads feature a hotline number connecting callers with more than 3,000 pregnancy support centers across America, offering alternatives to abortion, free ultrasound, and pregnancy help. Babies' lives are being saved. The need still exists. It really does. And Pro-Life Across America needs your help. To donate, please find us at prolifeacrossamerica.org. Did you know I could suck my thumb before I was born? Yep, we all started small. Kids got new supplies for back to school, so what do the parents get? Well, we suggest treating yourself to some good coffee, and the Mystic Monks of Wyoming have a number of blends to choose from. And when you link to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sonrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on whatever you buy. You can also treat yourself to a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and a water bottle for your kid in our online store. Check out our store and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sunrisemorningshow.com. Divine Intimacy Radio. When you engage with the wisdom of saints this way, it stokes the fires of God in our hearts, encourages us, strengthens us, and gives us wisdom to deal with the difficulties of life. It also gives us wisdom that allows us to rise above all of the junk and to live with joy and peace in the midst of even the most difficult circumstances. Divine Intimacy Radio, Sunday, 6.30 a.m., 1.30 p.m., and 11 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Sunrise Morning Show continues. We're joined now by Stephanie Mann from Supremacy and Survival. She's got an English Reformation-themed blog uh, that we've got linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Stephanie, good morning. 
Good morning. Good morning, man. Sorry. Oh, you're fine. Um, a little, little froggy. Frog. This is, uh, <laughs> I, tell, yeah. I tell you, this time of year, you know, everybody thinks spring allergies, but yes. I get so <laughs> froggy this time of year. So we've talked a lot uh, over the years about St. Thomas More, his connection to Henry VIII, yes. and, you know, of course, John Fisher, uh, the bishop, the one bishop who would not mm-hmm. go along with things. But uh, those were not the only people in Henry VIII's circle who he he, uh, he lost patience with. And we're going to be talking about another person who he lost patience with today, right? Yes, Blessed Adrian Fortescue. I mean, I call him a friend of, of Henry VIII, but, you know, as Thomas More said, Henry VIII's friendship could end pretty abruptly. He once told his uh, son-in-law that uh, if if uh, his head, Thomas More's head, could win Henry a castle in France, his head would go <laughs> for the sake of the castle. And that's certainly, I think, what Adrian Fortescue felt, found out, too, he, because he was one of those who's very much held in honor by Henry VIII. He, was, uh, he served him in his uh, military campaigns. He uh, went to the the great field of the cloth of gold in in uh, France. Uh, he was a justice of the peace. Uh, he was even a, a gentleman of the king's privy chamber, which a privy chamber is uh, 16th century language for bathroom. And uh, so he was, again, a, a great servant to Henry VIII. And yet the way that uh, the biographers of him say this something changed i mean it's not clear that he actively opposed what henry was doing he went to the wedding henry the the coronation and wedding of uh, official wedding of henry the and and anne boleyn but then i guess it was clear that he wasn't as enthusiastic about what henry the was doing and he was imprisoned once and then again and then finally executed, and even the, his date of execution isn't very clear. And uh, the bio, again, the biographers note that it, 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 you know, he wasn't accused of not taking the oath. He wasn't uh, tried. It was just a bill of um, parliament was passed that said that he had been kind of generally seditious and and uh, um, uh, refused allegiance. So you know, not saying that he would actively opposed Henry VIII. So. But I think what was what uh, Father uh, Henry Sebastian Bowden points out most and gives two pages to in his book are the maxims that this man had collected and written in his book of hours that I think guided him to finally making that decision or doing something that indicated that he was opposed to Henry VIII and his uh, kind of ability to accept the this turn in fortunes that he experienced you know as you're saying this i'm i can't help but think back to the movie hook uh which is you know dustin hoffman as captain hook uh robin williams as, oh yeah as as yeah. peter pan and and captain hook's given this rousing speech he's like i'm gonna kill peter pan you know who killed that crocodile who stuffed him you know whatever and who doubted me and they call false sign he's like one of you doubted me I think one of you doubted me. You, you didn't cheer as loud as the mm. others is kind of what happens, right? And it seems as though that maybe yeah. Adrian Fortescue yeah. kind of got caught in that, like, uh, one of you's not making the right kind of smile towards my situation, <laughs> right? I mean, it, it's, it comes off that way yeah, the way you tell it. it does. 
Yeah, well, uh, the, because uh, it being in prison twice, maybe he was questioned. He was imprisoned uh, uh, in in, eight, in 1534, the time when Henry is really moving into wanting oaths and wanting uh, uh, true allegiance. And so maybe there was some indication that he, again, that he wasn't as enthusiastic. It doesn't say that he actually refused the oath. He maybe even t- take took Henry VIII's oath. It's not clear because if he hadn't taken the oath, he would have been in the Tower of London with St. John Fisher and Thomas More and and some of those others that uh, initially, at least, wouldn't take the oath of uh, first of of the the succession and then of supremacy. So, yeah, it is interesting. But I think what what I took from and the reason I think Father Henry Sebastian Bowden included all these maxims and uh, words. Yeah, that, I was going to ask that, you about uh, some of those because you don't get bless become it's a, Fortescue. Yeah, you don't become a canonized saint simply for being killed by Henry the Eighth, right? Uh, there has to be some kind of right. holiness and yeah. and virtue there. I wonder, as we're uh, you know kind of winding things down, if you could share two, three, or four of uh, of some sure. of these maxims of, of Blessed Adrian that we have. Well, the first one is above all things, love God with all thy heart, desire His honor more than the health of thine own soul. He uh, says, go to confession. Uh, make sure that you, if you receive Holy Communion, receive it with entire devotion. Pray often. Resort to God every hour. Be pitiful to poor folk. Help them to thy power. Be diligent in giving alms. And then he says, and pray continually to God that you may do what is his pleasure. And finally, I think the one that probably helped him most in those last days was, in prosperity, be meek of heart, and in adversity, patient. Blessed Adrian. I don't think someone becomes a, a yeah. martyr. Yeah. Uh, pray yeah, for that, us. Indeed, pray for us. Uh, but you've got those maxims, which kind of compose a little bit of a rule of life for Blessed Adrian Fortescue. They're uh, yes. at Supremacy and Survival. Blogspot.com, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thanks, Stephanie. Have a great day. Thank you. And we'll talk to the rest of you tomorrow. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. Did you just receive a Sacred Heart Radio t-shirt because you took our listener survey? One thing the survey told us was how many of you found out about Sacred Heart Radio from our bumper magnets. So imagine how many more will know where they can hear about God's love and mercy by wearing your Sacred Heart Radio t-shirt. So thank you for letting the good news be told without saying a word. Every time you wear your Sacred Heart Radio t-shirt and by ordering our bumper magnets by going to sacredheartradio.com and clicking on signs and magnets. Wimberg Landscaping, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, has been beautifying properties for over 40 years. Wimberg offers professional one-stop landscaping services from initial design and installation of all plant materials and hardscapes to ongoing maintenance, including lawn service, leaf and snow removal. Wimberg Landscaping, 513-271-2332 or on the web at wimberglandscaping.com. That's wimberglandscaping.com. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. Diamond and CBN are the most advanced cutting tools because they are the hardest materials known. These enable you to machine three to eight times faster compared to carbide while reducing downtime for tool changes by 90%. Improve your productivity when machining hard, cast, and powdered metals or difficult-to-machine materials. Find out more at theabrasiveone.com. That's the number one, theabrasiveone.com.
Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from J.C. Health Insurance agent George Justin. If you're turning 65, retiring, or simply have Medicare questions, George has answers. George is your pro-family, pro-life guide to Medicare, helping to simplify your transition by guiding you through the options to find a plan that meets your unique needs, all at no cost to you. Find out more from George Justin at J.C. Health Insurance, 859-414-6591. That's 859-414-6591. Hi, I'm Mara Cagney-Tifton with the Cagney Family and Cowell Banker Real Estate, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. My father, Guy, brother, Patrick, and I are here to help your family find the perfect home. If you have any real estate questions, 513-720-1411. Hi, I'm Jim Akers, board member with the Cincinnati chapter of Legatus, Catholic business leaders and their spouses meeting the challenge of balancing faith, family, and business. We meet once a month for mass and dinner, along with a local or national speaker and a wonderful venue throughout the city. Many of our speakers you have heard right here on Sacred Heart Radio. Please think about joining our group of Catholic leaders and become an ambassador for Christ in your business or profession. Contact us at Cincinnati at Legatus.org. That's Cincinnati at Legatus.org. This is Deacon Mike Erb with St. Ignatius of Loyola Parish in Mumford Heights. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. this Monday, the 11th of September, praying together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. To our words, give ear, O Lord. You shield us from harm. Teach us to protect goodness in ourselves and in others. You guard us against stumbling and help us against falling. Strengthen our reliance on you in every temptation. You are the shelter of all who are in need. Make us a shelter to all who call upon our help. O God of glory, you are our shelter against the burning heat of the day and the storms of life. Help us when we stumble, catch us when we fall, and guide our steps firmly in faith toward the promise of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And as we remember the victims of the September 11th attack both that day and in the days and weeks and years following, may the souls of the faithful departed through the mercy of God rest in peace. Amen. It is a better way to start a Monday morning, the Sunrise Morning Show, here on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lachman at the controls. And some of you were there uh, on September 11th, 2001, when we had our first ever kind of Sacred Heart Radio event. And all the regularly scheduled programming was thrown out the window, and you gathered with us, and we reflected and prayed about what really mattered at the end of the day. And some of you are still here with us. Uh, listening to this present day. Uh, up this hour, Carl Brown's going to be in studio to talk about stewardship and Our Lady of Sorrows. Pastoral counselor Kevin Prendergast along as well. Also, Father Boniface Hicks, more thoughts on personal prayer. And then Father Rob Jack uh, along with us to talk about speaking Catholic, having a bit of more Catholic vocabulary. So stay with us if you can. Right now, it is two minutes past the hour. News is a service of Bridgetown Finer Meats and BridgetownFinerMeats.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. 
Good morning. Pope Francis has offered his prayers as rescue efforts continue in Morocco days after a magnitude 6.8 earthquake rocked the North African country. More than 2,100 people are confirmed dead and the toll is expected to rise. Thousands were injured as the quake was the strongest to hit the nation in more than a century. Morocco's King Mohammed VI ordered mosques nationwide to hold funeral prayers yesterday. Offers of assistance have been pouring in from around the world, including from the U.S. Officials at the American Embassy and the Moroccan capital say they are not aware of any American fatalities. During his Angelus address, the Holy Father said he was close to the dear Moroccan people. He said, I thank the rescue workers and those who are seeking to alleviate people's suffering. He said, may the concrete aid of everyone sustain the people in this tragic moment, end quote. He also sent his prayers to those suffering from a cyclone that hit Brazil last week, leaving thousands homeless. Hurricane Lee is growing larger. Mark Mayfield reports. The National Hurricane Center says the Category 3 storm has maximum sustained winds of roughly 120 miles per hour as it moves northwest. Hazardous beach conditions are expected to spread throughout the western Atlantic during the week. The system could bring life-threatening surf and rip current conditions along much of the east coast. There were no coastal watches or warnings in effect as of late Sunday night. I'm Mark Mayfield. Families who lost loved ones in the 9-11 terror attacks will be gathering at the World Trade Center Memorial in Manhattan for the 22nd anniversary of the attacks today. During a ceremony, names of nearly 3,000 victims killed that day will be read aloud. There will be moments of silence, tolls of bells and music as part of the ceremony. And for the first time this year, there will also be a tribute at the Memorial Glade after the ceremony to recognize those who have died from and are still experiencing illnesses tied to the aftermath of the attacks. For the first time ever, an entire family was beatified together this weekend. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Lubov reports. The Ulma family, whose beatification took place Sunday, has become a symbol of Poles who rescued Jews during World War II, according to Archbishop Stanislaw Gadecki. In an interview with Vatican Radio, the president of the Polish Bishops' Conference shared his thoughts on how the beatification strengthens Catholic-Jewish relations. Archbishop Gadecki explains that the Ulma family was executed by Nazi Germans on the 24th of March, 1944, for harboring Jews. Two parents and seven children were murdered, he said. This tragic event is now unprecedented in the history of the church since it is the first time an entire family is being beatified together. Discussing the significance of the Elma's beatification, Archbishop Gadecki highlighted the theme of human solidarity, emphasizing the willingness to help others even when it involves risking our own lives. The president of the Polish bishops stressed that the Elmas were aware of the risks that they were taking by hiding Jews. Jews. This family, he said, must have realized that even though they lived at some distance from the village, they put themselves in great danger from the Germans by sheltering several people in the attic of their home. The archbishop said that the Elma children did not fully understand the situation and may have accidentally told the wrong people. The need to make larger food purchases at the store may have also drawn the interest of outsiders. He pointed out that other families also assisted, resulting in 21 survivors in the village, highlighting the solidarity of the community. Arch Bishop Gadecki noted that the Elma's actions were rooted in their Christian love. Their actions also confirm, he said, their respect for every life from conception to natural death. They knew that every life must be protected and they made that ultimate sacrifice for it. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov.
8.06 now on the Sunrise Morning Show and Sports on Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine online. Don't make me at do it. BeaconOrtho.com. I, Paul's looking at me. He's like, don't. Don't go to sports. Don't. I know. I, it, yesterday was painful. I have the paper in front of me. I, I am. Prepared. I was going to say, I, I was just, looking at you yeah. and I was like, are, do you not there's have been, a sports been time, report yeah, ready, Paul? There's, there's been times where I've been last minute getting it in, but uh, no, <laughs> the uh, writing is on the wall today. Cleveland Browns, uh, they snuck by our Cincinnati snuck Bengals by, yesterday. Yeah. That's not what it says on the copy, but that's what I'm sticking to. <laughs> 24 to 3 was the final score. Field conditions were suspect, and it was a bit rainy. Whatever excuse you want to come up with, the Bengals did not look good whatsoever. So uh, Cincinnati will try to turn things around in week two, hosting the Baltimore Ravens, opening up as three-point favorites. So Vegas knows something I don't know. Uh, Reds, Reds, thank you. Cincinnati Reds uh, knock off the Cardinals 7-1 to one from Great American Ballpark. Big Whew. sigh of relief, or wow. else that was about to be a sweep job. Hunter Green uh, earned the win. T.J. Friedel, Joey Votto, welcome back. I know. Uh, Will Benson and Jonathan India also welcome back. Homered uh, for the Reds, who improved to uh, 74 and 71. A game and a half out of that final wild card spot. Cincinnati plays the Detroit Tigers tomorrow up in Detroit. Congrats, your Buckeyes won. They had a uh, big win over the Penguins. The Penguins I of know, Youngstown I know. State, 35 7. Was the Still not uh, final completely there. satisfied with how that offense is. Well, you move on from uh, the Penguins to the Hilltoppers. You yeah. guys play uh, Western Kentucky and then on Dame Saturday. After that, I believe. Right. Yeah. So uh, Cincinnati's two and zero. They beat Pittsburgh twenty seven twenty one. Bearcats have a rivalry game against Miami of Ohio and a tough break for the Elder Panthers. They uh, mm-hmm. they lost to uh, the best team in the state of Ohio by ranking wise, Saint uh, Ed's. And they lost on a field goal with nine seconds left. So, oh, man. Uh, but hey, that uh, they—that's their uh, their toughest opponent they have. So they they played uh, neck and neck with them. So good. should be a good okay. year for elder football. Excellent. I know uh, there's not many losses that feel good, but uh, yeah, yeah. This this one uh, this one doesn't feel as bad as others. Well, especially especially that Bengals game. Yeah. Oh gosh. <sighs> Let's get to traffic now on a Monday. Traffic a service of Larkin Cobb, Chevrolet, Buick, and GMC in Eaton, Ohio. On the web at LarkinCobb.com. Hopefully we got a good day uh, traffic report. A few slow spots to report. Southbound 71, we'll start there from Fields Ertle down to the Norwood Lateral. Southbound 75 between Union Center Boulevard off and on through the Lachlan Split. Eastbound 275, you're going to be slowing at the top of the loop from uh, 747 over toward Reed Hartman. In northern Kentucky, northbound 7175, a little slow from 275 up to the cut in the hill. Northbound 471, slowing from Alexandria Pike to the river. And then westbound 275, slowing from, we're going to say, Turkey Foot over toward just before the airport, like around Mineola Pike is when you start clearing up in that area. Now, for weather, mostly sunny skies today and warmer in Cincinnati with a high of 84 degrees. It'll be mostly cloudy tonight with an overnight low of 62. Then rain returns tomorrow, off and on rain and cooler, though, with a high of 75 degrees. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, 
sun today, maybe some clouds later with a high of 81, becoming mostly cloudy tonight with a chance of a rain shower before dawn and an overnight low of 63. Mostly cloudy with a few rain showers likely tomorrow and a high of 72 degrees. Today is Monday, September the 11th. I'd like to wish a happy birthday to my sister Jane. And, um, yeah, I'm not going to say how old she is. Happy, happy birthday, birthday to my sister, Michelle. No way! I know. Tough break. We both have sisters with September 11th birthdays. I know. That's crazy. It's pretty wild out Happy there. birthday to my nephew, Jack, as well. See? Wow. Wow. Crazy. Well, anyway. 11 minutes past the hour now. Joining us on the Sunrise Morning Show here in studio, Carl Brown. He is with the Stewardship Department for the Archdiocese of Cincinnati. Carl, it's good to see you. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Glad to have you. Now, um, we're going to be talking about uh, Our Lady of Sorrows with her feast day coming up on Friday. But um, I want to ask first, who are you? (laughs) You're new to this stewardship segment here uh, in studio with us. So tell us a little bit about uh, what you do for, for the stewardship department. Sure. Well, God made it pretty clear that I should be working here in the stewardship department and I am the director of operations for the, de- the, the department. And basically that means I run the Catholic Ministries Appeal. Huh. And I'm just so fortunate to have this opportunity because of all the good work that the ministries do. And this just connects people from all across the archdiocese. It's really fantastic. How has the CMA fared? This year, this, this past year was the highest year we've ever had. Uh, our goal was five million, and we we're over six point four million. Wow! Uh, the goal for next year has—I was—I was, I was uh, appointed to this position, and then immediately the first thing that happened was the goal was raised by half a million dollars. So, <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> no pressure. But so the goal for next year is five point five million. Wow. Okay, that's good to know, and I'm sure we'll be hearing from you and and David Kissel certainly when things start ramping up again for the. The annual CMA. Now, like I said, we are going to be talking about Our Lady of Sorrows, and you actually wrote a book That's right. about uh, the Rosary and the Seven Sorrows of Mary. So, can you uh, tell us about that? Yeah. So, you know, I, I wrote this book. I made all the final edits to the book, and all that was left for me to do was to approve a printed copy. So, I knew generally when to expect it, and out of the corner of my eye, I saw a delivery truck and. My heart skipped a beat, and I dashed out the door to meet the delivery guy in the driveway, and and I said, my book is here. And, you know, he just wasn't as excited as I was. Oh. And and I, I said, no, no, I wrote a book. And he, he said, well, what's it about? And then I thought, oh, wow, okay, so, hmm, how do I, how do I summarize this book in one sentence? What could I say in this moment that would touch his heart? So I took a good look at him, and, and I said, this is a book about suffering, and seven Christian responses to suffering. And, you know, my, my hearing is not as it, as it was before. It's getting a little bad. So I couldn't hear my kids in the house yelling, Dad, let him go. Leave him alone. <laughs> He's still got deliveries to make. But it wasn't a question of when I would stop talking about the book. It was a question of when he would stop asking about it. So finally, I, I said, can I give you this copy? And he said, are you sure? And I said, Absolutely. Uh, you know, I asked him his name and I wished him well. And I never thought I'd see him again until several weeks later, a knock at the door. I opened it up and there he is. And he says, remember me? And I said, Larry from Amazon. 
He walked right into our house. He's carrying the book I gave him. And he said, thank you for writing this book. Thank you for giving me this copy. He made a fist with his hand and, and tapped his heart and said, everybody suffers, don't they? Hmm. And chills were going up and down my spine. And I thought, wow, I really misread this guy. So I said, what parish do you go to? And he said, oh, I don't go to church, hmm. but now I know I need to. And he said, the reason I came back here today was because a friend of mine was diagnosed with cancer and I wanted to see if I could buy a copy of this book to give him. Wow. And that's when I realized that I had gotten a non-Catholic to spread devotion to the Blessed Mother. That's incredible. Well, okay, I admit it, it was probably Mary that did the heavy lifting there, but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and, and that in that moment is when I realized there was something bigger here because honestly, I was hoping that you know, my kids would read this book, and mm -hmm. I, I had no idea for what would happen from there because our pastor, Father Barry Steckschulte, read the book and was very encouraging and in talks with him. My wife and my son and I developed a, 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 a conference to, to really break out the contents of the book even further. We did that conference last September at St. Susanna in Mason, Ohio, and from there, we've done that conference in four states. Wow. And I've spoken in dozens of parishes from Atlanta to Louisville to, to South Bend, Indiana, um, Dayton, Cincinnati, lots of lots, small places in Indiana. It's just been amazing. What amazing inspired life. you to write this book in the first place about Our Lady of Sorrows and the Rosary? Well, I had my wife and I had been praying the rosary, the Dominican, you know, five decade rosary for about 20 years before I even realized that there was a seven sorrows rosary. And immediately the question is like, well, how can it be so different? You know, it's it's seven sets of seven Hail Marys instead of five sets of 10. So that's just, you know, my at first my kids thought, hey, one fewer Hail Mary. Ah. You know? But so I, I just asked myself, what, you know, what is different about this? And, and the best way to find that out is to pray it. And as I prayed it, I, I just peeled away so many layers of, and grew so much in so many different ways. And I would just keep notes about that. And, and then finally, I just thought, wow, I've got enough here for a book. And, and no one else, well, I should say no one, I speak in hyperbole 150% of the time, but <laughs> very few people had written anything about the seven sorrows. And so I thought, I, you know, maybe I should do that. And, and especially the seven promises that Mary gave, you know, Mary gave the seven sorrows rosary to the, the founders of the Servite order 790 years ago. Wow. So this is just, just 13 or 14 years younger than the Dominican rosary. And the, and then Mary gave these promises to St. Bridget. I will grant peace in their family. They will be enlightened about the divine mysteries. I will console them in their pains. I will grant them everything they ask as long as it does not oppose the will of my son. I'll protect them from the infernal enemy. I'll visibly assist them at the hour of their death. And those who promote this devotion will be taken directly from earthly life to eternal happiness. Some pretty good promises there. And, and they're promises from Mary, the mother of God. And I just realized a connection recently. Those promises have been approved by a couple different popes. And the feast of Our Lady of Sorrows, which is this Friday, as you said, was instituted in the Roman calendar by Pope Pius VII. Now, what does that have to do with he Cincinnati? Dealt with a lot of suffering. Go on. Right, he yeah. did. He was imprisoned by Napoleon, which is probably what prompted him to say, "Let me let me read about Our Lady of Sorrows." <laughs> yeah. 
But it was Pius VII who instituted this feast day in the Roman calendar. And another notable thing about Pius VII is he established this diocese. Wow. So anyway, there was a neat connection there. And then this Friday, September 15th, is the Feast of Our Lady of Sorrows. And it's a Friday evening. My son and I are are doing another a small version of that conference at St. Susanna at 6 p.m. And every, you know, it's open to the public. There's there's no charge. We're, we ask people to register on the website, everybodysuffers.com. Uh, we got that name from Larry. Nice. <laughs> but, it, yeah, we're really looking forward to it. It's been changing lives. You can see and read testimonials on that site of people who say this devotion saved their marriage it helped them overcome addictions. It's just been amazing. I believe it. I believe it. Uh, anything with our Blessed Mother and her uniting her own suffering to the cross of her son as she stood there at the foot of the cross um, in the moment. And I guess just finally, because you're with the stewardship department, we got to ask you, like, how does our Blessed Mother, under the title of Our Lady of Sorrows, encourage us to lead a life of stewardship? That's a great question. And, you know, I think that stewardship is just a proper view of reality, right? This Everything has been given to us by God, and, and we're not the owners of that. We're just temporarily holding on to that. And this, praying the seven sorrows, what that has done for me is it has helped me gain a proper perspective of reality and seeing you know that mary is relatable in situations through the, through the seven sorrows she brings consolation to us she gives us the, the proper view of reality because we can sometimes think why am i suffering but then we have to ask ourselves well why did mary suffer yeah. or why did jesus suffer and truly everybody suffers and and devotion to Mary in this in this rosary is what she's asking of us right now in the in the apparition of Our Lady of Kibeho in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. So it's really relevant. Really beautiful. And uh, what is the book called again? Something the book you can is count called on? Something You Can Count On, which there's a little pun there. Yes. <laughs> but I'm talking about the promises, really, not just the beads of the rosary, that the promises are something you can count on. Love it. Love it. Everybodysuffers.com if you'd like to go register to be a part of the uh, the conference that Carl has at St. Susanna on Friday for the Feast of Our Lady of Sorrows, Mater Dolorosa, Ora Pro Nobis. Carl, it was so good to meet you. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Oh, my pleasure. God bless you. All right. It's 21 minutes past the hour. We got traffic and weather coming up next. Food makes the party. And you can find the perfect party foods at Bridgetown Finer Meats, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. From mini sandwiches to their jumbo pretzel sandwich, meat and cheese or vegetable and relish trays, Bridgetown Finer Meats can make hosting a party a breeze. And choose your wine while you're there. The BFM Wine Shop has high-quality wines from all over the world. Bridgetown Finer Meats on Bridgetown Road, 513-574-3100, on the web at bridgetownfinermeats.com. Offering Catholic retreats based on Ignatian spirituality, the Jesuit Spiritual Center invites you to a weekend of prayer and renewal led by various retreat masters, including Father Michael Graham. Join others for a weekend of silence as you experience the great treasures of the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Register now at JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. That's JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. 
For over 50 years, the St. Martin District of St. Vincent de Paul has been providing food, clothing, rent, and utility assistance to people in six counties of Southern Ohio. You can join the St. Martin District of St. Vincent de Paul in helping our neighbors with a monetary or vehicle donation, which is simple and easy. 800-322-8284 or donate online at runforthepoor.org. 22 minutes past the hour now, and this traffic report is a service of Rose Automotive, pre-owned vehicles on Erie Highway in Hamilton, on the web at roseautomotivegroup.com. Looks like we got an accident now on the left shoulder of eastbound 275 at Mosteller, so a little bit of a backup behind that. And then southbound 75, still slow through the Lachlan split, southbound 71, still off and on. Slow and heavy from Fields Ertle to the Norwood Lateral, northbound 7175 on the brakes from 275 up to the Cut in the Hill. Northbound 471, a little bit better, slowing from Grand Avenue up to the river. And then uh, westbound 275 at the bottom of the loop, slowing from Turkey Foot over toward the 7175 interchange. Now for weather, mostly sunny skies today in Cincinnati with a high of 84. It'll be mostly cloudy tonight with an overnight low of 62. Off and on rain tomorrow with a high of 75. For the Miami Valley Dayton area, increasing clouds today with a high of 81. Mostly cloudy tonight with chance of a rain shower and an overnight low of 63. Mostly cloudy with rain tomorrow and a high of 72 degrees. Coming up next on the Sunrise Morning Show, Kevin Prendergast, our Catholic counselor. Stay with us. It's 24 past. This is John Kennedy, a State Farm agent and a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. If you need life insurance, I can help process the best options for you and your family. You can reach me at 859-485-2000 or online at johnkennedyinsurance.com. Longtime underwriter and proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, Cincinnati Right to Life ensures that God-given human rights are guaranteed for all simply by being human. Regardless of age or stage, ability or disability, CincinnatiRightToLife.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Michael's Rosaries and Religious Articles, featuring a large selection of sterling silver medals, crosses, and crucifixes. St. Michael's Rosaries and Religious Articles in beautiful Miamisburg. 937-530-8026. Support for Sacred Art Radio is from Rua Wood Psychological Services, integrating psychological science and the truths of our Catholic faith with offices in Dayton and Cincinnati. More information at 513-407-8878 or rwpsych.org. Sacred Heart Radio is blessed to have the support of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet Buick GMC in Eaton, Ohio, offering a wide range of new and used cars, trucks, and SUVs with on-site financing. Larkin Cobb, close to Eaton, Richmond, Dayton, and Brookville. On the web at LarkinCobb.com. The show continues. I'm Matt Swain, joined now by pastoral counselor Kevin Prendergast, licensed counselor, former seminary instructor as well, and has a lot of experience uh, addressing questions of mental health from a Catholic perspective. Kevin, good morning. Hey, good morning, Matt. You know, there are probably a lot of people out there who would love to just talk to somebody and get even just some temporary help with some questions, but do not know where to begin, do not know if they're going to find someone who undermines their faith. That's a question that I get a lot. I know you get it a lot, too. 
uh, doesn't mm-hmm. know if the person that they get, even if their faith lines up with them, is going to say helpful things, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So what are some good things to have in the back of your mind when you're trying to figure out who to look for um, if you're trying to get mental health help? Yeah, and, and the first question there, Matt, even a preliminary one would be, do I need a counselor? Is that what I need? And I, and I think a lot of us, uh, we've talked about this a lot with different topics in, the, in this segment. Uh, is there a mental health epidemic or uh, do we just not have enough uh, robust community and close friendships and relationships? So I think that's why people are turning to, to therapy. Uh, but, you know, one of my instructors always said there's many things in life that are therapeutic besides therapy. So I obviously believe in therapy. Uh, but, you know, the other goal here might be to build up enough other relationships and support and people that I can talk to on a regular basis. So therapy is not going to solve everything. But if I do decide that, you know, I'm been really down in the dumps or I'm, I'm very stressed and anxious, I'm not sleeping, uh, there, one of my kids has problems, our marriage is not doing well, where, where do we go? So, so one thing, you know, maybe to have some expectations of what therapy is. So... I often talk to my students about this, that uh, friendship and therapy are two different things. So I can have a best friend forever, but generally they're going to take my side. They're going to listen. They're going to be there. They're going to let me ventilate. Uh, And the thing about friendship, friendship doesn't really have so much of a goal or a direction or action plans, right? I just want to hang out with my friend and I talk about life going on. Whereas in therapy, a couple of things are different there. One is that I definitely want somebody who's a good listener, but the number one complaint that I get from clients who have seen another therapist in the past is he or she just sat there and they really were nice and they listened, you know, and they didn't interrupt me, but I didn't really get anything out of it. So that's one of the questions I ask, what did you get out of that last therapy? What concrete skills, improvement did you get? And people get a blank look on their face. So I think the you know, part of what I'm looking for in therapy could also be spiritual direction or even from the confessional is I need some guidance. All right. I want somebody who's going to be listening, who's going to be on my side, who's going to I know that they care about me, but they're also going to besides supporting me, they're going to challenge me. They're going to we all have blind spots. Uh, we have things that get in the way of our relationships with other people. And our friends don't always do that. You know, I, I hope some of our listeners are fortunate, like I am, to have friends who care enough about me that they don't mind hurting my feelings, right? Right. So you know, Kevin, as to, you're saying yeah. this, it mm-hmm. reminds me of something that Anna Mitchell was talking about in a recent segment mm-hmm. on another topic about, you know, be careful who you complain about and who you who you complain yeah. about them in front of. Uh, because, uh-huh. uh, you know, if you go and you complain about your spouse in front of your buddies all the time, then your your buddies are all going to, like, coalesce around how terrible <laughs> your spouse is and just back you up yeah. when, when, when that's a two-way street, man. Well, it, it takes a lot of courage, Matt. Like, do I really want to be challenged? I know for myself, not really. I don't, you know, sometimes I don't want to hear what, you know, people are trying to tell me for my own benefit. Uh, but so it, it takes courage. And when I go to counseling, I have to realize a couple of other things, too, is, you know, what do I need to bring to the therapy? So I want somebody who can be honest with me and give me some feedback and teach me some skills. I should be able to come away with some new insights, uh, better habits, uh, skills for coping. Uh, I'm not going to get instant results. And I often tell my clients things are probably going to feel worse before they get better. 
Nobody really wants to hear that. I need to keep my appointments. I need to do homework. I should expect that my, my therapist is going to give me things to do in the other 167 hours of the week besides when I'm sitting in therapy. And the other thing, it, it just shouldn't go on forever. So even Freud, way back in the day, talked about interminable therapy. And I have to think, you know, am I just being, you know, is, is the therapist making me dependent on them? So I have to go in there. And sometimes I don't get the right person the first time. It's like, you know, we, we love our priest, but if we've been around for a while in the church, uh, there are some people who say, you know, I went to him for confession. He was okay, but wasn't that helpful. I think I need to talk to somebody else. That's perfectly legitimate, right? Uh, you know, the sacrament is the sacrament. We have grace there, even if the priest is having a difficult time where you don't connect. But in, but in therapy, you know, we, we can test out the therapist the first few times. But I have to ask myself, am I looking for a new therapist because they're just not really meeting my needs and they're not very competent? Or is it because I'm avoiding things? Maybe they're pushing me on some things that I don't want to get pushed on. And the other question is, do I need a Catholic psychotherapist? So the big problem with that is there just aren't a lot of Catholic therapists around and there's not enough competent Catholic therapist around. So a therapist who happens to be Catholic doesn't necessarily have the skills or the training to be able to integrate and bring up faith issues and therapy. That's a whole nother, uh, you know, our field, we have had a program in pastoral counseling is how to integrate those. But I think the, you know, for people looking for someone in, you know, areas like my marriage and morality and making good ethical choices, the Catholic Psych Psychotherapy Association is a national organization. We have a very active chapter here in Cincinnati. That would be one place to look. I think the other place, how do I find a good car mechanic or how do I find a good OBGYN? I usually ask people, you know, I can ask uh, my physician who refers a lot for mental health issues. I can ask my priest or the deacon, a pastoral staff member. Maybe one can, in your own parish, right? Correct. Maybe one of my friends has been in therapy. And that's that's usually pretty good that if they've had a good experience uh, and then the, the other problem is sometimes our insurance doesn't cover it. Some companies have employee assistance programs, which can give us at least some short-term counseling. Uh, so we, do, we don't want to wait too long to get into therapy. And uh, we talk a lot about the stigma of mental health. I think it's a fear. You know, it's a fear that, you know, this is a big step. Do I want to go to marriage counseling? Is it going to make things worse or better? Uh, am I really going to be able to deal with it? So we can turn to our Lord and ask for courage, uh, trust, faith, and guidance uh, to find the right person that we can really be honest with. All right. Thanks so much, Pastoral Counselor Kevin Prendergast. You can find him linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. 32 past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Pope Francis offered his prayers as rescue efforts continue in Morocco days after a magnitude 6.8 earthquake rocked the country. He also sent his prayers to those suffering from a cyclone that hit Brazil last week, leaving thousands homeless. During his Angelus address, the Holy Father said he was close to the dear Moroccan people. He said, I thank the rescue workers and those who are seeking to alleviate people's suffering. He said, May the concrete aid of everyone sustain the people in this tragic moment. Rescue efforts are ongoing in Morocco. Mark Mayfield has the story. More than 2,100 people are confirmed dead and the toll is expected to rise. Thousands were injured as the quake was the strongest to hit the nation in more than a century. 
Morocco's King Mohammed VI ordered mosques nationwide to hold funeral prayers on Sunday. Offers of assistance have been pouring in from around the world, including the U.S. Officials at the American Embassy in the Moroccan capital say that they're not aware of any American fatalities. I'm Mark Mayfield. Families who lost loved ones in the 9-11 terror attacks will be gathering at the World Trade Center Memorial in Manhattan to mark the 22nd anniversary of the attacks today. During a ceremony, the names of the nearly 3,000 victims killed will be read out loud. There will be moments of silence and bell tolling and music as part of the ceremony. For the first time this year, there will be a tribute at the Memorial Glade after the ceremony to recognize those who have died from and are still suffering from illnesses tied to the aftermath of the attacks. For the first time ever, an entire family was beatified together this weekend. The Catholic News Agency reports Yosef and Victoria Olma and their seven children, including a newborn baby, were murdered by the Nazis for hiding Jews in their home. Pope Francis recognized them all as martyrs back in December, paving the way for their beatification yesterday. During his Angelus Address catechesis yesterday, Pope Francis reflected on the Sunday Gospel and the importance of fraternal correction. From Vatican Radio, Devin Watkins reports. Fraternal correction, said Pope Francis, is one of the highest expressions of love and also one of the most demanding. When a brother in faith wrongs you, then you, without rancor, should help him by correcting him, he said. However, acknowledged the Holy Father, the first step we most often take is that of spreading gossip about a person instead of confronting them directly and privately. Such an attitude does not please God, he said, since gossip is a plague on the life of people and communities. Gossip, added the Pope, leads us to division, suffering, and scandal, and never helps improve or grow, but rather plunges us toward perdition and ruin. Pope Francis noted that Jesus offers us a better path when we have been injured by someone. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone, as Jesus said. The Pope urged Christians to speak to one another face to face in order to help the other person understand their fault. Do it for their own good, he said, overcoming shame and finding true courage, which is not to slander, but to tell them to their face with meekness and gentleness. If, after a private and frank conversation, the person does not mend their ways, we may look for help from others. And even if, after these first two steps have been pursued and no change has taken place, then we may turn to the community, not to pillory or publicly shame the person, but to unite our efforts to help them change. In conclusion, Pope Francis invited us to consider our attitude toward those who wrong us. And he asked the Blessed Virgin Mary to help each of us seek the path of goodness in our relationship with others. I'm Devin Watkins. 8.37 now on the Sunrise Morning Show and Sports on Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine online at beaconortho.com. Here's Paul Lockman. Well, let's start with the uh, positive news. Red salvaged a game against the Cardinals. 7-1 final score from Great American Ballpark. Hunter Green came back from the IL, earned a win after giving up one unearned run while striking out nine batters over six innings of work. T.J. Friedel, Joey Votto, Will Benson, and Jonathan India all took uh, Cardinal pitching deep as uh, the Reds improved to 74-71, and just a game and a half out of that final wild card spot. Reds will take an off day today before taking on the Detroit Tigers on the road beginning tomorrow. 
All right, let's get to it. Browns knock off the Bengals 24-3. to In the season opener up in Cleveland, it was bad weather, but Joe Burrow was bottled up for a career low, 82 yards, 14 of 31 of passing Joe Mixon, 56 yards on 13 carries. Bengals are 0-1 and will uh, try again week two, hosting the 1-0 Baltimore Ravens as we sit right now. Bengals three-point favorites to open up the uh, the game. That'll be a look at sports. We got more on the Sunrise Morning Show right after this. Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming. And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonricemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's sonricemorningshow.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Dr. Robert Berger at Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Dr. Berger has been recognized by Cincinnati Magazine nearly every year over the past 20 years as one of the top physicians in orthopedic surgery. And he serves as team physician for Xavier University, Mount St. Joseph University, and LaSalle High School. Dr. Berger treats patients of all ages at the Beacon West office on Harrison Avenue and on the east side at Cincinnati Sports Club. For more information, 513-354-3700. Online at beaconortho.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Rose Automotive, serving the Hamilton area with a wide selection of pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. Rose Automotive, celebrating over 30 years of automotive excellence. On Erie Highway in Hamilton, roseautomotivegroup.com. The show notes is where you'll get the links and resources you heard about on the Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith, and for the podcast to find and replay an interview. To check out the show notes every day, visit the new sacredheartradio.com. Let me guess, when you go to Mass on Sunday, you probably sit in the same pew. Do you know who's sitting next to you or behind you? Pope Francis calls each of us to evangelize. It's time to break the ice. What better way to do that than to introduce yourself to a fellow parishioner? It isn't difficult. Before you know it, you'll have new friends. My guess is that's the way he planned it. For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Deacon Joe Grody. Continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Bonifus Hicks. He is the author, along with Father Thomas Hacklin, of Personal Prayer, A Guide for Receiving the Father's Love. And today we get to talk about Lexio Divina. Father, good morning. Good morning, Matt. Great to be with you. Yeah, great to be with you as well. And I know many of our listeners have engaged in the practice of Lexio Divina before, either privately or maybe at a retreat. But if you could give us a quick uh, kind of summary of what it is, and then we'll kind of dive into to, uh, maybe how to participate in, in a little bit more on a personal level. Yeah, to say it simply, Lectio Divina is just praying with sacred scripture. So not just reading it, not just studying it, not using it to prepare a homily or a talk, but praying with it. And maybe to say it additionally, to, to ask the question, how is God speaking to me today through this scripture passage? So it's an it's approach of, a, of, of reading, meditating, praying with, and contemplating sacred scripture. Well, I think that there are those of us who, when we hear those four stages of Lexio Divina, the, uh, you know, the, the Lexio, the reading, right? Then you've got the Meditatio, the meditation, then the Oratio, the prayer, and the Contemplatio, 
the contemplation. I think that we understand the reading, but it can be, I think, difficult to figure out how you set those other three apart from one another because <laughs> there's a lot of overlap, uh, generally speaking, between meditation and contemplation and prayer. Yeah, and the description of Lectio Divina, I always like to say it's it's uh, less steps and more interior movements. It's, you know, the... Uh, Lectio Divina is an ancient practice. It's really what the fathers of the church were doing when they were reading Scripture in a careful way, slowly allowing it to open up before them, realizing it's the Word of God so that no word is accidental. Every word is intentional. It's also a living word, and so God continues to speak to it. So we, we approach the Scripture with a certain faith in Scripture being a unique form of writing, not like any other writing, but truly authored by God. So doing that, uh, they were just doing that. And then it was almost a millennium later, Guigo the Carthusian in the uh, 11th century decided to try and pay attention to what he was doing and then tease that out into some some movements, I like to call them, interiorly. And And the movements involved reading slowly, Lexio, and then thinking about. That's how we mean meditation in this context. You're right, these words get so overloaded uh, and used in different ways. But in this context, meditation means basically thinking about, questioning. I like to ask the question, how do I see God's love for me in this particular passage? And then read it slowly to discover a word, a phrase, some part of the passage that strikes me personally, and then explore that. Uh, I like to use Our Lady as an example of Lexio, and maybe I'll just track through that as I describe it. If you think of the Annunciation, where the angel came to Mary, the angel is like Scripture. He brings the Word of God to her, and then she questions it. First of all, she's deeply disturbed by the angel's greeting. And then, uh, and she wonders what the angel might mean, and then the angel presents a message, and she questions it. How can this be, since I do not know man? So this is the meditation phase of sacred scripture, questioning it, exploring it, thinking about it. And then uh, the oratio, the prayer stage, is our response. How do I respond to this word of God to me? And again, if we think about Our Lady, eventually she says, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done to me according to thy word. So this is my personal response, my prayer to God, my speaking to Him in response to His Word. And then the, the final movement, and, and we should be aware, you know, the, the thinking and responding, the, the questioning and responding, it only goes back and forth once with Mary and, and the angel, but could go back and forth many times with us. We may stay in that space of Lectio Divina for quite a while. Uh, wondering what this word means, allowing it to strike me. It opens up something for me, and then I respond uh, in some way. But then I I may be moved uh, eventually to be in the Lord's. I'm in the Lord's presence. I feel his closeness to me. I feel his love for me. And and at that point, I just stop, because the goal of Lexio is not to get information. The goal of Lexio is to to enter into the Lord's presence and simply uh, receive his love. And that's that's what contemplation means in this context, is that sort of resting in his presence, resting in his love. And we can think of how Mary did that, of course, after saying, after her prayer, uh, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done to me according to thy word. Uh, then uh, the Lord, the word was literally in her, and she was able to contemplate, we might say, just be in his presence. You know, I think that's such an important uh, way to look at it. And 
uh, appropriate for this feast of the queenship of Mary. I think it also helps us uh, because so often when people say, well, Catholics don't know their Bible, uh, what people mean by that is they don't know how to defend themselves in an apologetic argument, <laughs> you know, from right. chapter and verse in the scriptures. But this kind of knowing our Bible seems like a very different sort of approach to knowing the scriptures, a different sense of the word know. Yeah, that's right. We're really soaking in the scriptures and drawing in words. We're not memorizing chapter and verse, and we're not using the scripture in an apologetic way in this context. It's really become the, become the texture of a relationship. Yeah, the texture of a relationship. That's a great way to put it. Uh, but uh, Father Boniface Hicks, I know that our listeners are want to, going to want to know more about this and a whole bunch of other ways to approach the question of personal prayer. So we've got a link to your book, which you did with Father Thomas Acklin, at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thank you so much, as always. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Matt. God bless you. All right, 14 till. We're back right after this. Thank God ahead of time. If you're intrigued with this way of praying, then you'll want to read Sacred Heart Radio's Autumn Newsletter. Yes, in this edition, Anna Mitchell writes about her unexpected encounter with Blessed Solanus Casey and the many miracles that occurred because he encouraged everyone to thank God ahead of time for answering their prayers. And in Father Rob Jack's article, he maps out for us how to be in the world, but not of the world. Ryan Lopez will break down what our recent survey says. And with a full page of pictures, you'll see how Sacred Heart Radio was engaged in local Catholic events this summer and read why homegrown Catholic Radio is always better. You'll get the Elder Football Schedule, our updated program schedule, and more. To receive the Autumn Newsletter and start getting our monthly e-newsletter, go to sacredheartradio.com and click on Newsletter Sign Up. For Catholics, being united with God for eternity is the goal of earthly life. A Catholic cemetery is sacred because it holds our bodies, once temples of the Holy Spirit, until the Lord comes again. The Archdiocese of Cincinnati has consecrated Gate of Heaven Catholic Cemetery to provide this ministry and remind us that life is not ended, but changed. Today, you can ensure that you and your loved ones are interred in accordance with your faith. Call 513-489-0300 or visit gateofheaven.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoting Realtors, trusted and recommended by generations of families to sell their homes. Licensed in Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana. Hoting Realtors, 513-451-4800 and at Hoting.com. Catholic Engaged Encounter Weekends are a marriage preparation program led by married couples and a priest or deacon. What makes this marriage prep program unique is you will have two days as a couple to delve into important subjects that will affect your relationship together for the rest of your lives. More time for prayer and reconciliation and closing the weekend with Mass. More information is at cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. That's cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. Pregnancy Center West is committed to protecting the unborn by encouraging women to see and choose the beauty of life while offering practical assistance for them and their families. Donate securely online at supportpcw.org. That's supportpcw.org. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swain, joined now by Father Rob Jack. He is host of Driving Home the Faith, uh, which is heard locally here on Sacred Heart Radio, the same station that produces the Sunrise Morning Show. Father, good morning. Good morning, Matt. 
So we're going to talk a little bit about how to speak Catholic over the next several weeks. And we're going to take some maybe Catholic vocabulary that we should know or maybe that we've heard a lot but don't know exactly what it means. So what term do you want to unpack this week? Well, before I do it, I guess it's important for us to frame this issue. You know, uh, when you were, you were more of an evangelical before you were a Catholic, weren't you? It is true. I'm still a little bit it, evangelical, but just yes. a little, yeah, just a tad on the side, just to be sociable. Well, anyway, what happens is, is of course you have your own language. We really do, and we have your own language of how you understand God, the mysteries of the faith, Christian moral life, and so you could probably think of one or two words off the top of your head, which, if you were talking with your evangelical friend, they'd know what it means immediately, right? I mean, it's we have these terms kind of rotate on like a two-decade basis. We bring in new words all the time in that world. Right. But in the process of all that, there are still certain words that we understand that as, as uh, Christians, we're losing the meaning of. You know, one of the simplest ones, of course, is this word freedom. What does it mean to be free in Christ? Now, we know what St. Paul says about what means what it means to be free in Christ. But we have this word, and the Catholic understanding of freedom, like the Catholic understanding of love, like the Catholic understanding of sin and grace, and redemption and, and uh, salvation, all of those words we're losing the meaning of, because I can tell when you talk to people about them, or when you ask someone to share their faith with somebody else, they don't know the words. They don't understand how our faith has been, one, revealed to us by God, but two, how the Church has taught us to frame it and to use these words with a specific meaning, because, you know, words, of course— uh, it's always was said by Heidegger, words are the sort house of being. In other words, if we don't know how to communicate our faith, then we become our own Tower of Babel, don't we? Well, we do. And, you know, not to get too far in the weeds on this, but one of the one of the things that sparked the Reformation and is, you know, flourished through the Enlightenment and is essentially kind of the the biggest hammer that postmodernism uses to smash everything is this idea of nominalism, that nothing really means anything. We just use words to kind of get at concepts that we don't really know, and the words that we use for things can you know, sort of shift and morph over time. Whereas the Catholic Church, I mean, we look at these words, uh, you know, when we you know, pray the liturgy, when we understand theological concepts, these are we're, we're, we're kind of tapping into classic sort of static meanings. I mean, there may be dynamic ways they get applied, but we're talking about a word that that means the same thing in the church that it meant, you know, 10 centuries ago most of the time. Well, but it's more than that, Matt. It's a meaning and reality because, of course, when we talk about the word word, you know, we look to the Gospel of St. John, and John makes it clear, and this is a principle of Catholic theology, goes all the way back to Justin Martyr and Ignatius of Antioch. So we're talking 2,000 years, and that is the word became flesh. And so that word, namely who is Jesus Christ, communicates to us a certain reality. And that reality is the presence of God in the world. It's not just a historical past, but it's a real present. And because of those kind of things, when we say the word becomes flesh, then the word is no longer nominalist. It doesn't mean what you think it means. It means how God has come to speak to us that the Father speaks his word in time and space, but that word has been spoken from all eternity, and that's Jesus Christ. And so 
when we talk about the word becoming flesh, we're saying something very, very important, and it's about the incarnation, that Jesus is not just some historical guy that was born of Mary and that he's, he's just like us in every way, including sin and including doubts and all those kind of things. We find ourselves getting to be Jesus as a 21st century person and not the Word of God who is, who is truly the embodiment of the truth, the, under, the one who tells us what the truth is. And and you're right, we do live in a very nominalistic or, if you will, relativistic world today. And, and when that kind of happens, then how we talk about salvation uh, or redemption or what God's grace is becomes very, very fluid and in the process very confusing. Well, it's, it gets extraordinarily confusing. And as you're, as you're talking and, and, you know, determining what our point of reference is, there's a point of reference, you know, God who is outside of time, who is before all things, and through the word, everything, you know, is that now is. Is that our point of reference? There's a point of reference like my personal kind of like opinions and moods, right? No, no, no. Because those are, those are shifting. Well, and see, that's, that's the big difference, and that's why when we talk about a specifically Catholic language, it's rooted in God, which is unchanging. But while it's un- unchanging, it's always ever fresh and ever new, as the gospel themselves says. Because really, we learn to interpret these words and meanings from the words of Jesus himself, which are in the gospels, and from St. Paul, who, of course, was revealed to the Lord and gave to him, you know, the, the mysteries of Christ's life. And unless we really study these things and learn what they mean, we do enter into a, a period of, of serious confusion today, Matt. And I think that's one of the things, you know, you take away people's ability to communicate with each other when it becomes simply, as you said, your opinion on this or your opinion on that. Uh, that can get us into all kinds of all kinds of difficulties. Well, as you're talking, I'm thinking of a hundred different words that the Catholic Church uses differently that the wor- than the world does. Conscience, freedom you mentioned, yeah. order and disorder, all kinds of stuff. So we're going to have to get into some of these over the coming weeks. Father Rob, Jack, thank you so much as always, and thanks for your good work on Driving Home the Faith as well. We'll talk to you soon. You have a good day, Matt. Of course, they call it Driving Home the Faith because it airs drive time. Weekdays here on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. So you listen to us as you're going to where you're going. You can listen to Father Rob as you go home to where you came from. Trying to get all that sorted out in my brain. But again, you can find all kinds of information about everybody that we or Father Rob talk to at sunrisemorningshow.com or sacredheartradio.com. Any of those portals will take you to all kinds of great stuff. You can also see our list of underwriters in case you're looking for any kind of good or service and are like, ah. Maybe I'll go uh, support a Catholic business. You can find that list at sacredheartradio.com as well. We're back again tomorrow. I'm Matt Swain for Anna Mitchell, Paul Lockman, and all of our guests. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. In this crazy world, where can Catholics go with their hard-earned money and not support businesses that go against our faith? Check out the Angels List on sacredheartradio.com. It's a list of businesses owned and operated by our Catholic brothers and sisters who underwrite Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. And if you'd like to get your business on the Angels List, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. Are you looking for a way to grow in holiness as a married couple? 
Do you desire to grow closer to God and to each other as you navigate the challenges of life? Join us for a marriage retreat, October 20th through the 22nd at Catholic Family Land. Deepen your relationship with your spouse through prayer, receiving the sacraments, intentional communication, and time spent together. Register at afc.org. St. Vincent de Paul, Northern Kentucky, understands the importance of a helping hand when life becomes difficult. Through the grace of God and the amazing generosity of volunteers and donors, St. Vincent de Paul, Northern Kentucky, has been able to provide over $200,000 in rent and utility assistance to nearly 2,000 neighbors in need in the last 12 weeks alone. The prayer is to continue to faithfully serve those in need well into the future. To learn how you can help, visit svdpnky.org and follow along on social media. Why wait in endless lines at the pharmacy when Brozard Pharmacy, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can fill your prescriptions in a timely manner with high quality. Brozard Pharmacy, fast, friendly service without the wait at brozartpharmacy.com. The Cincinnati Chapter of Legatus is a national network of Catholic business owners, CEOs, and managing partners facing the challenges of faith, family, and business each day. We meet once a month with our spouse for a mass, dinner, and speaker. We have the support of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati and many members throughout the parishes, including yours. We would appreciate the chance to share what we are about with you and enjoy Mass together soon. Contact us at Cincinnati at Legatus.org. That's Cincinnati at Legatus.org. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. This is Father Michael Mary Dosh from St. Gertrude in Madeira. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more 